So anyway, that's why you can't prove to me that uh, Guy Fieri and the lead singer of Smash Mouth aren't the same person. <laughs> Never seen them in the same place at the same time. Anyway, welcome to Sub Nerds Have a Podcast. Smash Mouth never been to Flavortown? I, I think so. Somebody once told me the Flavortown will roll me. We watched, we listened to a lot of uh, Smash I Mouth Smash The Donkey Sauce. Donkey Sauce. Donkey oh Sauce. All Star. Shrek. Donkey. I'm seeing a connection. <laughs> Welcome, everybody. This is Some Nerds Have a Podcast. Follow the money. Uh, I'm uh, Nick. I'm Alex. <laughs> and I'm Lee. And somehow this is happening now. Yeah. We were watching a lot we, of uh, Smash start, Mouth mashups. Okay, so how this started was on the internet. Mm -hmm. I'm just which, browsing around uh, YouTube. Al Gore, you really need to pull the plug on this mm -hmm. thing. Like, it is it is beyond your control. Um, but essentially, we were like, we were just like hanging out after work, watching YouTube, like you do. Yep. Uh, when you're a responsible adult. Mm -hmm. And Nick started bringing up these uh, JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. Yeah. Well, OPs. it was, it was, it, it had been on my queue for a while. Like I've been watching a lot of like JoJo stuff and like watching, we've been watching a lot of Mother's Basement. Um, so uh, there's a lot of anime bullshit in my, in my <laughs> recommended. And it just happened to be that one of them, because of the video that you sent me. Which one was that? The, the, uh, the I keep sending you videos. Yeah, the Shrek, uh, the Shrek and Evangelion mashup. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So one of the ones, <laughs> So one of the ones that was in my recommended was a 14-minute long oh video of all of the JoJo openings that is just all-star pitch shifting. Yeah, I was listening to that. Including the alternate versions. Yeah, I posted it, I <laughs> yeah, think. Yeah, yeah. And, and because I'm an idiot, mm -hmm. at the end of that, I was like, man, I really hope nobody ever does this to my hero, Akka. And, and then they did. And they had. Um, so we watched a few <laughs> so of those. Many. So many. Um, and then there was also some Space Jam ones with, with my hero, Akka, <laughs> that I found. Come on and slay, slay it. And, and welcome, welcome to, to Japan. Japan. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so Elisa didn't know that was a thing, so now she's knows that, she knows that's a thing. Which surprised me, because there was a while there, Alex, where like every week at D&D, &D, you would be playing like three or four songs that were just mashups of anime themes to either All-Star or Space Jam. I mean, I have like a compilation on that. Yeah, yeah. A friend of ours thankfully took over the music. And so that's what like... And, like, she has, like, a curated playlist, and everybody's character has, like, a theme song. But then sometimes when it goes quiet, I yeah. sneak in oh. there <laughs> with, my, uh. with my 90s uh, Dutch folk music. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is, it is, it is a thing. It is a thing, guys. So, anyway. Um, God, the other week I had to explain Dungeons & Dragons to my coworkers. Yeah. And they were very much like, like one of them was like, wait, so you play this game every week? And I was like, yeah. She's like, how long, like, like how long is a session? And I'm like, we've been playing this game for three years. You, and she was like, what? You live in a what? world where, where World of Warcraft has existed for like a decade and a half. And you're surprised that people play games for like hours on end on a regular basis with friends. For for this, this particular story, like this, we, I'm like, well, we've been playing in this particular Speak. world for, for three years now. And she was like, I I don't, I don't understand. And I feel like I, th I, I should have just the, kept my fucking mouth shut. I think that really just speaks more to us it. as players than to the game uh, itself. I don't know. It no. was also... I've definitely played one, one uh, campaign of Dungeons and Dragons all through college. I mean, sure. But like when I, when but I was setting like it up... You a really interesting world though. Like, oh, you, well, thank you. You created a really interesting... <laughs> if we had a Patreon, I feel like there would be like... 
If you give us $5, we'll, we'll give you all give of you Alex's, Alex's source of stuff. Well, <laughs> all of his source material. We'll send you the, the packet. Yeah, yeah. The, the packet that nobody reads. That's cool. Nobody would have I've, us on Patreon. I've so. glanced through it. I've thumbed through it. It's fine. All the spelling errors from yeah, yeah. four years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, this is all the stuff you guys want to listen to, yeah, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. <laughs> anyway, I'm looking forward to playing Fate later our, on this our, week. our Patreon that doesn't exist. <laughs> I'm running uh, Fate later on this week. I'm looking forward to that. I have yes. not. I do not have something come up with, so I'm gonna have to come up with something really quick. Maybe I don't tomorrow. Know why I created a prostitute for that Fate game? No. I don't know. I was in a weird headspace when we yeah. were creating characters. It's fine. It has been a while since we created the characters yeah. versus when we're actually gonna play. Yeah. I'm gonna need to look over that. I'm again. like sort of embarrassed. I feel like somebody should have been like at least shut the fuck up. No, we like, were no all... one wants your prostitute. No, we like that character. Prostitute character. Every all year. of those, all of those characters were fun and interesting. Look, sex okay. workers are workers too. It's yeah, fun. yeah, yeah. That's true. Yeah. That's true. Um, so, and speaking of work and and labor and who it belongs to. Um, ah. Yes. Yeah. See, how I'm transitioning into the thing that Elisa and I want to talk about this week. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You want to talk? I, you want to talk I'm about coming capital? with segues today, huh? <laughs> you gonna talk about capital? Um, I mean, we could. Okay. okay. <laughs> Probably relate to this. Okay. Um, uh, yeah, actually, actually, it kind of does. Um, so, uh, recently, I, should we start with just talking about what what kind of spurred this conversation? Yeah. So, like Nick and I the other night. So Nick. Okay. So, ugh, wow. I, I feel like all of that needs to be edited. Do you want me to? Do you want me to take over here? No, no, no. <laughs> okay. I can do this. I can do this. I think so. Um, Nick and I are really big fans of Arrested Development, and kind of out of the blue, it felt like. Um, they kept saying, oh, season five, yeah. season five's coming. And then out of the blue, they're like, oh, May 29th, like season five is dropping. And and to, also, plus, in addition to that. Yeah. They took season four, which if you're unfamiliar with the series, I feel like now would be yeah. a good time for us to kind of like Let's so share with you what Arrested Development what's is What's Arrested about. Development, so season, season one through three of Arrested Development is both simultaneously a perfect time capsule dropping you back into like the middle of the bush years um from like 2000 when did it run like 2003 to 2006 yeah originally yeah um so really like the the middle yeah yeah and also probably one of the most brilliant scripted comedy shows ever yeah on television certainly from that era certainly from the oh yeah of that era it's probably the best yeah um, so this was like the mid aughts, and to be fair, there wasn't a lot of good shit happening in the mid aughts. Yeah. For comedy, I think it was like the end of Friends, which was terrible. Thank you. Because I was say like, nothing good came. Yeah, from that. no, there was like a lot of like really bad um, multi camera, mm-hmm. multi camera uh, sitcoms happening on sound stages, and so this was different, and it wasn't done in the style of The Office, of that like mockumentary style. It was. Well, it was a little predated The Office a little bit. Kind of predated The Office, and so. It centers on this wealthy family. From Orange County, um, California. The worst place on the planet. And they're kind of the worst people. Yeah. And it's about them and their real estate company and their terrible dealings and And, their very, like, austere lifestyles. And all the crimes that they have committed. Yeah. Um, And, like, kind of how everything kind of crumbles down around them as a result. So, obviously, it's fiction. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Wait, you mean their actions? Rich people suffering consequences. The the entire plot of the story kicks off with a rich person getting arrested for crimes and going to prison. Going to prison? Yeah. Yeah. Only Bernie Madoff ever going to prison. (laughs) Um, So... But, I mean, yeah, it kind of focuses on them and how, uh, you know, all of the... 
especially the children of the family, but pretty much everyone in the family suffers from a case of arrested development. So it's like a pun. It's a double entendre where it's both about a, an arrested development person ah. and a whole bunch of people with arrested development. And ah. it's also the main, the bulk of the, the bulk of the story takes place at the model home yeah. for this housing development that has been put on hold yeah. while the patriarch played by Jeffrey Tambor is uh, going is in prison. Is in prison. Hey, art imitates life. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, he's not in prison yet. God, yeah. I love I love it that it's like before the before the economy collapsed all because of housing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's yeah, like yeah, yeah. that's just No, no. Perfect. This this show is so great partially because it is like they they set so many things up both as jokes and in terms of like yes this is actually where the world is going yeah um and it kind of went in season four so so it was on tv for a while no one paid any attention to it but fox kept it going for three seasons um before it got canceled and then basically after it went off the air, it was one of the first things to go on Netflix when Netflix started streaming shows. Mm -hmm. And so that's where a lot of people, myself included, um, kind of started getting into it, who, yeah. who had missed it originally on television. Um, and we're like, oh, well, this and is brilliant. It's great. It's really fucking funny. Like, why did we not watch this on television? Because I was I in elementary because, school like, then. Yeah, yeah. I was, I was in high school. God, I was going to make that as yeah. a joke. I didn't. <laughs> yeah. God, I always forget how much younger you are than, than us, us embittered. Mm -hmm. I'm turning 25 oh, next are. month. Oh my God! Shut Jesus, up! Shut up! <laughs> oh my God! Uh, I'm on the wrong God side of 30. And it's all downhill from here. You don't know what it's like. <laughs> I'll find out eventually. To be 28. Yeah. Uh, man, no one likes you when you're 22. No one likes you when you're 20 fucking eight. Blink 182. Mm -hmm. That's that's when you know. Like, they, were those guys like, actually 22 when that I, song I came think out? They were. Okay. Fuck that them. explains a anyway. lot about how shitty their music was. Right. Um, so I actually watched this when it was on, when it was on television, because um, it was part of the Sunday night lineup. Like it came, uh, it like came right on, after like, the Simpsons. Yeah, right after the Simpsons, and I think like before Family Guy. So um, I watched it because my siblings, who are a lot older than me, were really into it, um, and thankfully they were like really into it, and they kind of turned me on to a lot of like really cool stuff when I was in high school, and. Um, and I remember it was like, it was on the Sunday night lineup, but then sometimes they would take it off and then I think they tried to like move it around. Yeah, they moved it around a lot. And and it was really difficult to keep up with after a while. So like we very faithfully watched the yeah. first season. And then after that, it was it was really hard to get a hold of the rest of the episodes. Which we should note for people who have never seen the show, which I don't know who that would be other than Alex. Yeah. Al like, but like anyone listening to this has probably seen it. You need to watch it with your grandma. And I really want you to like watch it with your grandma and have her report back, like report back to us her feelings <laughs> on it. Because like, I really want to fucking So, okay. <laughs> so those are the first three seasons. And like I said, it, Netflix kind of like made it popular. Like there were a lot of people who were really faithful to it, like Elise who um, who kind of kept it going through three seasons, and then there were a lot of people like me who never gave it a chance um, and didn't really know what it was about. Which, in fairness to me, uh, it, it is very difficult to get into that show partway through because it really was, like, a very early pioneer of, like, serialized storytelling in a comedy. Yeah. Like, it does have an ongoing story and an ongoing plot and, like, things... You know, and if you haven't seen the previous episode, it is really, really difficult, difficult to, to get thrown in. It's like, why is this guy blue? Uh, why uh, is there a model it's home? So like, absurdist. Yeah. It's so postmodern. And there's also they 
they set up uh, a lot of jokes mm-hmm. that will not pay off until like a season or two seasons into the fucking show. Yeah, and there, like, there are definitely some like it's one of those shows where I think every time I've watched all the way through, I picked up a joke that I didn't yeah. see before, like something in the background or like a way that something was said. It's like it's very densely layered. And so it doesn't really serve to be on television where, again, they were moving the time slots around on it a lot. Yeah. They were trying to find an audience for it. And so it was very difficult for people to get into it. But on Netflix, where you can sit down and watch like four or five episodes in a sitting, like it, it makes a lot more sense. Like, yeah. It is it is extremely bingeable mm-hmm. for something that was made in the pre-binge watching world. Okay. Um, and so when Netflix decided that it was going to make new television series, like its own original television series, the very first one that it did was season four of Arrested Development, which is a very muddled thing. I think the, so the original. They, oh, sorry. What? What is so? The original one always centered around the family as a whole. Yes. And the family as a whole unit, and um, because it was a, it was. It, I hate to say it, it was like one of those things where it was like a critic darling, even though audiences didn't really get it or they didn't see it or yeah. they didn't have a chance to see it. I don't. I don't think that's unfair um, to say. I think that's true. Yeah. And um, I just feel like it's a really cliched. It is extremely cliched, but the cliche exists for a reason. It's because it is of things like this. And so consequently, everybody who was on that show had their careers, except for like maybe one, the girl that played Maybe. Yeah. Except for Maybe. Except for Maybe. One. Everybody else had their careers blow up. Like Jason Bateman is in it. Um, Portia de Rossi's in it. Michael, like a really John. young Michael Sarah's in it. David Cross is in it. Jeffrey Tambor is in it. Like, and so you know, consequently, like everybody's um, careers really picked up after Arrested Development. And so when they sat down to finally write, and of course it's narrated by Ron fucking Howard. And when they sat down to actually write season four. They were in this bind because everybody wanted to do it, but no one's schedules yeah. aligned with each other. Yeah, because they so, all had these huge other obligations that they had to do. And so what they did was kind of an interesting idea, which was to take every episode and follow a different character in the family. So, like, maybe gets her own... Maybe who's... Uh, so I guess to back up... So there's Jeffrey Tambor, um, who plays George Bluth Sr., there's Jeff uh, George Blue Senior, his his wife Lucille. They have three kids, jo- or four kids, excuse me. Job, George Michael, no, nope. or George, oh, excuse me, Job, Job Michael, um, Lindsay, Lindsay, and, and Buster. Buster. Um, Michael has a son named George Michael, uh, with his wife who is uh, deceased, and Lindsay has maybe with uh, her husband. Dr. Tobias Funke. Um, so every episode in season four originally followed one of these characters. And it was kind of a neat idea. And they still did a lot of their kind of jokes that they, mm-hmm. you know, things that would set up that would pay off later in the season. 
Um, and it, you know, it works. Yeah, and it, and it's a, part of it was because it was so ridiculous because you would get a joke set up by one character and then the payoff would be from another character <laughs> in another episode. Gotcha. Um, because, like, there would be parts where their stories would kind of intersect. Yeah. And so, like, you'd see a character, like, run by in the background or, like, you'd hear a character and be like, what was that about? And so you'd get a little bit more of that what that was about and then a little bit more yeah. of what that was about and a little bit more of what that was about. And then finally you see what actually happened. And it's like, oh, that's what that was. <laughs> and it has to span, like, several years because I don't think – I think the season four came out in 2016. Yeah. And no, it was before then right. even, wasn't it? No, because, yeah, it was way before then. It was a while ago. It was the very first originals thing that Netflix put out. Let yeah. Me, let me I'll, – I'll, I'll get on the Google so machine. So they had to cover a lot – I'm already on there. I'll look at it. Okay. Anyway, the, the the moral of the story is they had to cover a lot of ground. And so season wall season one seasons one through three are pretty tight um and take place over probably two thousand thirteen. You know, two thousand thirteen. Yeah. Shit. Yeah, was it's been that five long years. ago? It's been five fucking years. That's insane. Um so they had to cover a crap ton of ground. In the meantime, from when they originally went off the air to, uh, to, 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 20, so to about, 2013. About, you know, um, several, several years of time. Because, again, like six or seven years by that point. Yeah, passed. had passed. And so, um, and so it's, kind of, it's kind of confusing. And while seasons one through three, like I said before, were really tight. Um, and the stories were pretty, like, you know, on par with what you would think of for a season of television. Season four spans like like few years five years yeah. of development in in the series and so it bounces around a lot and it's kind of hard to tell like when jokes are landing or what is happening when and or like you know it is told out of chronological order yeah so like they'll do something and then they'll flash back to like what caused it and it's it i don't know i don't want to say it's experimental but it is extremely different from what the rest of that series had been up to that point. And parts of it worked really well, I thought. Parts of it, not so much. Um, but like I said at the beginning of this, it's very, very muddled compared to the rest of it. Yeah. And so as part of the thing where where, where the creator kind of got on Twitter, he's like, hey, season five is out at the end of this month. Um, like it, no, like people knew that it was being made, but no one knew how close they were to being done with it. So because we had been hearing it's coming, it's coming, it's yeah, coming yeah. for the last five years. Yeah, and then so finally it's like, oh yeah, it's out this month. And so it's very. It's, it, on the one hand, I really appreciate that. Like that's really nice. Where it's like, here's this thing you've been waiting for. It is out, like not immediately, but very, very close to yeah. immediately. And I kind of I wish that we lived in a world where that kind of stuff happened more often. Like just just tell me when it's done. Don't build yeah. up this hype train mm -hmm. for it. Um, but the other thing that he would followed up with is we've also re-edited season four to be told in chronological order and to be kind of closer to the original series in terms of how often you're going back and forth between characters. So now instead of having like, this episode is about George Michael and sometimes you'll see like two or three of the other characters. This episode is about Jove, and you sometimes only see two or three of the other characters. It's like, okay, here's what's happening now. And I feel like, and we talk, at least and I have been talking about this, it just doesn't work as well. And I don't know if yeah. we want to go into the details about this, because I feel like we've got other stuff to talk about spinning off of it. But basically, the way that like running jokes work in, in Arrested Development is part of the 
the soul, the core of the show. Like the running jokes are some of the funniest things in the entire series. Um, I think Nerdwriter on YouTube has a video yeah. about like how Arrested Development tells a joke. And like it's very finely crafted. It's very finely tuned. To the point where they'll keep repeating the same joke over and over and over again, but they'll have different people say the punchline in different contexts with get, different meanings. It won't get dull. And so it doesn't get stale. In fact, it gets funnier every time it's told. Like, there's a it's... stupid... There's two jokes that immediately come to mind, which is number... Uh, the One of the ones that comes to mind is uh there's a chicken dance oh yeah yeah that all of the pe that everybody in the family does their own version of like a Which chicken they, dance when they to call make someone a chicken to make fun of them they'll like make a chicken noise and like do a little dance <laughs> and it's like it, everybody has a completely different noise everybody has a completely different i've dance. been never seen a chicken before Which, and, and that and is and the, that's joke. the, okay. the and joke so there gets to be one point in the series where there's like three or four people who are all doing their own different version of it all at the same time uh -huh. and one of the people saying michael no turns one around in his family and... ever seen a chicken <laughs> and they and the, the truth is they have they probably haven't. Yeah. Yeah. Because they're, they're completely out of touch. Yeah. Um, Unlike me, other... who sees a chicken every single day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, um, but, but so that's that's part of Or this... like if you've ever heard, there's always money, money in the, the banana, banana stand. stand. Yeah. Like that's something that's set up in the first episode. And it's it not the first episode, but very, very yeah. early on. And it's like repeatedly paid off like over and over and over. Like 30 cc's of your Your're father funny. in that banana stand. Oh. Um so that's uh, that's part of what makes the show so great is the running jokes. And so in season four, the way that the running jokes are developed is that you see them happening out of order. And so like the context in which those jokes are working, I'll give I'll give an example of one. It's not really much Please of a spoiler, don't. but in in Job's storyline in season four, he becomes uh, a driver for a pop star. And they start calling him getaway because that's how they get away from, like, you know, the paparazzi or, like, fans that they don't want to be around or whatever. Um, and, and, like, because he's a magician, like, he's really good at, like, causing a distraction to, like, get away from people. So after a while, they kind of get sick and tired of him because he's, like, twice their age. And he's also Job. And he's also, like, yeah. He's, just, he's like, the he's worst. He's one of the most irritating, like, purposely one of the most irritating characters on the show. Um, and so the, the pop star writes a song called Go Away, Get Away, which is all about how he wants Job to leave them alone. <laughs> but Job doesn't get it. Okay. And so you hear this song, like in that episode, you hear him singing that song and it's his ringtone earlier in the season. <laughs> and so like the joke is when you find out why that's happening, the joke has been set up with Job knowing about this song and listening to it. By the time you find out what it is, it makes all those jokes retroactively funny. Ah. In this, in the new re-edited season, the first time it's referenced is by a completely different character. So that completely removes the context of it. Which, in the original edit, the other characters started referencing it after you understood that it was making fun of Job. Okay. Because no one else in the family likes Job either. Okay. And so it's funny that no one else gets it, but like they're all kind of using it in the context in which he's intended, except for the person that you hear it from first. And so by switching those jokes around, by switching the order that they're coming in, like it kind of makes it less funny. Yeah. Like, it's all the same content. They might have added in, I think they do add in several more jokes, 
but because a lot more of it is explained through the character of the narrator, who's also extremely funny mm-hmm. in his own right. But it gets so tiresome yes. after a while because it's really breaking their own kind of cardinal rule mm. of show, don't tell. And the series was really good at showing, even though they had a narrator, um, you know, like just really funny visual gags, very mm. like clever Arm wordplay. Off. Yeah, arm off. We brain. Lucille. 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 Yeah. Um, y- you know, it, and it's a very clever show, and so they've really kind of undercut their own ability to tell a joke by re-editing it. And the frustrating thing is you can't, now you can't get the original version of, of season, season four. four. Ah. So, so they, they removed the original version from Netflix and replaced it with this new re-edited version. I'm sure you could find someone who's got the VHS. Oh, I, I'm sure. Well, yeah, uh, yeah this or is like 2013. The, I'm too sure. The Blu-ray. Yeah. Someone's the Blu-ray. got the VHS. Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> um, so the, this kind of brings up the point that I kind of wanted to discuss today because it's not the only thing that this happened to, but this is kind of the most recent example of when a work of art is released to the mass public for consumption and is then gotten rid of or taken away or replaced with something else by the original creators, Mm -hmm. is that justified? So in a sense, who owns art? Who does art belong to? And I've got my answer for that, but I want to open it up to the discussion table. I feel like we need to clarify when we mean art. Can we say media? I, or do you want to say... Because I, s- I feel like all art, we're going to be here okay. until okay. like the fucking dawn of the next I, century. I, okay. You know what I mean? Mind, like, starting with the cave yeah, paintings. Yeah, exactly. Who owns those cave paintings? Who owns paintings? those cave paintings? I would it's say the, the government nation, of France. Yeah, the nation of France. Um, spoiler <laughs> but, alert. But, when I say, but, but I, the reason why I say art is because this sort of... like I consider media, particularly the kinds of media where someone cares enough about it to go back and change it, I would say that those are forms of art. And I, the reason why I'm using that term is is not because I feel like so because I think that there are some fairly vaguely analog kind of or uh, like analogous rather there are analogous things that we can talk about in like visual and performing arts yeah on this same subject but I want to kind of start it by talking about media I suppose I, I would say let's let's curtail our discussion to just talking about media unless okay. somebody has like a really great okay. outside example. I, I've, I've got one. I feel like I need to like a bell, like okay. ding, ding, here are the ground rules for okay. our really intense discussion about who, like who does art belong to? Okay. Does. Okay. Cause so let's, let's just, let's focus it on media. Cause I can think of several examples. Most of Star them, Wars, Star Wars being the big yeah. one yeah. of we want to buy this thing. This is a thing that we love. Hey, giant corporation who owns the rights to this thing, can you make this version of this thing that we used to have and now does we don't have anymore? Can we buy that again? No? Why not? Like, that drives me crazy. Like, that, that's so bizarre to me. You know, taking away the, the oh yeah, all of our usual rantings about... Um, the, the foibles and, uh, you know, crimes of capitalism for a moment. And just looking at this purely from the standpoint of we've got this, you know, don't even make it like a piece of media. We've got this widget. Oh, I would love to buy this widget. Well, you can't buy this one, but you can buy this slightly different one that you don't like as much 
and it can like it doesn't work as well for the thing that you need it but this is the one that is actually legally available to you yes like that's that's what i don't understand about this i mean there's you can't divorce that from capital i know you because, can't divorce it from because capital, that but... example right there is 90 percent of what apple does like not even yeah. media related that's like oh, you like these things that work. Which is why Elise, why Elise <laughs> wanted to set the ground rules. Yeah. We're only focusing on works of media. Ah. Okay. All right, so. Yeah. Sorry. I mean, we can talk, and I, and I would say, like, let's focus in on contemporary issues. Yeah, let's... And, and we can absolutely talk about the role that capitalism plays in all of this, mm -hmm. because unfortunately, we live in a capitalist society, um, which kind of is a bummer. Yeah. I'm um, just going to say that flat out. Wow, we are gonna strong get strong opinions like, from strong, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, capitalism, <laughs> capitalism is a, kind of a bummer. <laughs> man, yeah. man, you know All who those... our like thirty views are? Our thirty listens? It's like the fucking government. <laughs> I, swear to I don't God. know. One of our episodes shot up to like almost eighty listens in the span of two weeks. Yeah, I think it's like the CIA. Yeah. I think they like keep listening. Like these fuckers are planning something. <laughs> Spoiler alert, we're not. We're, we're not kind of lazy yeah. and we're not that clever. <laughs> so just stop listening we're, to now we just we're like, not actually going to do anything. We just like to rabble rouse because yeah. we're hopefully someone li listening to this. Someone One of those people who like, listen. More gumption than us. Yeah, yeah. Maybe you'll do something. <laughs> yeah. You about, there, about the listener. Star Wars special editions. <laughs> about the Star Wars. About those. God, get rid of those fucking special editions. And give it, so, give it so, a holiday special of Blu-ray release, damn it. God damn it. Um, so for the for the uninitiated, it. for the uninitiated, which if you don't know if about you don't know about Star Wars, <laughs> let's explain Star Wars. Let's for the next before we talk about that's Star Wars, say. that's not what I was gonna say. We need to talk about Buck Rogers. <laughs> <laughs> so what once I, there was a filmmaker okay, called Kurosawa, and he made a movie called The Hidden Fortress. <laughs> and then many decades later, another guy. That's not what I was gonna say. I was gonna say like the specific acts that we're grinding right now okay, okay. is the fact that you cannot legally own the original theatrical releases you, of the Star Wars You can movies. legally own them, but like, <laughs> it, only if you have, like, the old, like, VHS or... Okay. Like, no, no, the Disney police are gonna them. come up to your house if and you, confiscate them. If you fucking have a DeLorean and yeah, went yeah. back in time to when they were originally selling that that on VHS or Laserdisc... Yeah. Um, there are and people who have those Laserdiscs. There, there are people are, who put those, those rips oh, up yeah, on yeah, the yeah. internet. I'm just saying. Um, but... Yeah, so you cannot uh, you cannot buy, I should say, you cannot legally buy or stream the original theatrical releases of the first three Star Wars movies, four, five, and six. And I'm, I'm going to be a little bit of a pedant here only because I'm afraid that if we don't and anyone actually listens to this, they're going to jump in and be the pedant. So, aha, put your tweets down. Uh, we're not talking about the actual original theatrical release we're talking about the ones that were existed. Basically, I would say that the the ultimate version of the Star Wars trilogy are the ones that came out on VHS and Laserdisc in 1995, um, because there were several versions that existed before then that had different scenes. Like okay, fair. The original, like when when I say that, like the original 1977 theatrical release, I don't even think. It was yeah. Did it even have the original? It did have the original scroll, but it wasn't Episode Four. Yeah, no. it was just Star Wars, and so like there were there were definite changes to it yeah. along the way. And even like none and of even this... the '99 yeah. version has like all of the new music in yeah. uh, Jedi. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, in the '97, the special. Yeah, in '97. Yeah, it's like like 
No, I'm talking about the 95. So, so the okay. 95. two years before they, two years before that, before okay. these special editions were released, they uh, released the Star Wars trilogy on VHS and uh, Laserdisc. Yeah. Um, it, it remastered, but not with the scenes added in and not with the CGI. Okay. Okay. It was to kind of pave the way for that. It was to like get all that stuff, and then two years later. So there are only two years where you could buy this. Yeah. More or less. Yeah. Okay. I think it's, I think there was a while. It's the fucking Szechuan sauce. There was a <laughs> while when they were being sold concurrently, I think. Ah. But then after a while, George Lucas was like, well, the special editions are the ultimate version. I wanted that stupid, ugly scene where Han Solo steps on Jabba the Hutt's tail because I didn't know what he was going to look like. And so that that looks like a thing that would actually happen. That's that's the definitive version, guys. That's the good yeah. version. Well, watch this while I go make this new Star Wars yeah. movie. Which, which now there's like... Oh, God, it just gets worse, guys. Let's so, not even get into the prequels. Okay. We're, we're, we're rambling. Focus, we're, we're rambling, yes. Let's, um, let's focus. That's so what we the do. Point, the point is that I I feel like I own... Okay, so I own the, the DVD editions of it, and they have changed even more from the VHS 1997 special edition to the DVD release. I do not own the Blu-ray edition where there are even further changes. Mm-hmm. All I want is for someone to go back to those original masters, which supposedly they have been destroyed. That's what George Lucas always said when he was still the person who had the so the sole distribution rights. He was like, oh, I, I, I destroyed those original masters when the special editions were made. <laughs> he burned them in his backyard. That's not how fucking masters were. <laughs> I'm sorry. I know I didn't make, I, I didn't do fucking um, uh, uh, American graffiti, George. But I know a little bit about filmmaking. Yeah. Uh, when you go back and you change something and you do that, you don't, like, you can touch up the original master, but you don't change them. They don't get destroyed by adding in new footage. That's not how they no, fucking work. No, I think work. it means he, like, rented a dumpster and then, like, took all the laser disc and then took all the VHSs and, and the, threw and them in the, the dumpster. Film. All not, the film. All the film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, like, <laughs> like got himself a bottle of Jack Daniels <laughs> and fucking, like, went to town and burned that shit in his backyard. I think, like, I think that's, I don't think he means at a very delicate, like, oh, you know, because I edited them, they're now destroyed. Like, no, I think motherfucker, like, burned that shit to the ground. All right, so after he, destroyed. after he just ruined it, yeah. yeah. You, who owns your copy? But, but what, no, what, what, more, what are you, what are you trying to get to? Okay, so what, the the point that I'm trying to make, and what Mm -hmm. I, what I want to kind of discuss with this is that, because the, the, the question of ownership, is the, where it comes into it, is I feel that because in my mind and in the minds of, I would say, probably most Star Wars fans, or at least most Star Wars fans of my generation and earlier. So like fucking millennials and for, Gen Xers. So millennials and Gen Xers. The, the scum the true, of America. The true Star Wars fans. <laughs> I, I I say that. This is why we were burdened with Look, the recession, y'all. You know what? You know what? I'm just saying. I'm pretty sure that most of those uh, most of those people who were complaining about Last Jedi on Twitter, I'm pretty sure most of them are Gen Y. I'm just saying. Um, so the point or that Gen X. I I I think the or Gen no, X not Gen Y, Gen Z, whoever the whoever the these young the whippersnappers, the Tide Pod, the Tide Pod, the, the tie pod kids, yeah. 
They're eating their Tide Pods and they're complaining about good Star Wars movies and talking about writing think pieces about how the pro the prequels are actually better than you. I think. mean, I don't think it's generational politics at that point. No, I think it's, it's not. just you know. Anyway, but in any event, bags versus the enlightened. In any event, in any event, I would say for probably most people of my generation and younger, the the Star Wars trilogy, like the actual version of it is the one that existed before those 1997 special edition releases. And most of us would like to watch those again because those are the ones that we fell in love with. Like, those are the ones that made us Star Wars fans. And the fact that we cannot now go out and buy the thing that... And it's not like, okay, I I have come to accept the fact that Zardoz does not exist on Criterion Collection Blu-ray. That's not what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. What I'm saying is that things that are popular, that people want, that people are willing to spend money for, they should be made available because... Because at, capitalism deems because, it so. Because capitalism deems it so, but also because works of art, when they are distributed, or works of media, sorry, Elise, works of media that have been distributed for the mass consumption of people belong to the people that consume them as much, if not potentially more, than they belong to the people who have created them at that point. Okay. I have another example. Okay. I know this is this is kind of taking this like like as you're as you were talking, it's like I was thinking about this and it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm getting what you're getting, but there's a way to take it even further. Than okay. That. Let's, go, right. let's go let's go let's let's follow deeper. this rabbit hole. Alright. So this is media, but it's not a movie. Okay. So, video games. Yeah, okay. Yeah. I was actually going to bring up an example okay. of that, too, but so, let's see what you got. So, video games used to be you buy a disc or you buy a cartridge or whatever, mm -hmm. and you can play that cartridge. That cartridge is yours. It will not change until it breaks. Yeah. But now most games are digital. Yes. And the people that distribute it can edit it and change it and make updates to it and do whatever they want. Are you, you going to tar start talking about World of Warcraft? Because I was going to start talking about World of I Warcraft. I was not. I was going to okay. talk about Stellaris. Okay, well, let's talk about I Stellaris. I was going to talk about Doki Doki Literature Club, but go ahead. I mean, Doki Doki Literature Club Doki doesn't Doki have any updates. That, that, well, yeah, I was also going to say, that's like the anti-example. That's true. That's like the example of what we actually want in some yeah. ways. But, um, but you know, so, so probably it's a better example in World of Warcraft with mm. the, the closure of the servers and whatnot yeah, yeah. that happened about, like, was that last year? Um, I don't know. It happens fairly regularly. But regardless, in the one I'm familiar with is a game called Stellaris. It's put out by Paradox. Yeah. It's one of their grand strategy games. It's the space one. They're mostly known for their historic ones. This is the one set in outer space. And... What they recently did is they recently just kind of revamped the way the game is played. They, they're really good uh, looking at feedback and looking at, you know, the forums of the community and seeing what's working, what isn't, and how can they try to fix problems. And they update fairly regularly. They're very transparent about it. But they recently came out with a, an update that essentially changes the way the game is played. It changes mm -hmm. major key aspects of the way you know, ships travel through space and the way that systems are controlled and such like that. So, in this particular case, it is possible to go back and play older versions of the game. Because they allow you to replay... Like, you can go into the settings of Steam and do that. Yeah, yeah. But I'm certain there are other games where they might change something and you cannot do that. Yeah. Especially on, like, console games. Yeah. Where they have updates and patches that mm -hmm. come up regularly that could 
hypothetically change things fundamentally in the game and you would have no way to go back to those original games yeah and so like the the big example of this that i can think of um is world of warcraft as i was saying earlier because mm -hmm. like world of warcraft um the the original whenever that came out uh 2004 when the original one came out like the game as it existed in 2004 the one that i played for the hot minute where i played world of warcraft um in that lost year between high school and college that i took um you i cannot now if i wish to i could not now go play that game that game no longer exists right um at least not in any again legal fashion because in the almost decade and a half now between the original launch of that game and now um there have been many many expansion packs and you have to have those expansion packs installed because of the way that the game works. And to a degree, I, I kind of understand why that has to exist. Like, Blizzard needs to put out new content to keep people paying. Um, and since it is an MMORPG, they need to be able to, like, everyone needs to have the same world. And so, like, if you make a change to one person's game, you have to change everyone's. Where this becomes a problem, though, is because... In my mind, essentially, that original World of Warcraft is now abandonware. Like, the, it should be it should be released for free. Yeah, because that's what that means is it, like, this is a game that that has lost all market potential. That has lost all market potential because it no longer exists. Mm -hmm. The people who make that game and sell subscriptions to that game have turned it from the one that it was in two thousand four to the one that it is now, and they are completely different. And so. Fans of the original, what, what's called Vanilla WoW, um, have taken it to the point where they have set up their own servers mm -hmm. and created their own servers for the original World of Warcraft without any of the expansions. And Blizzard has gone in and started shutting those places down. Even though it is technically, they're, they're not really competitors anymore because these are the people who want to play this game, like, they're two different games. They do not want to play the they other game. They do not want to play the game that currently exists. Or maybe they do. And they subscribe to that one anyway. But they also want to play the original version. And I think, in fairness to, to, to Blizzard, I'm pretty sure, uh, or Blizzard Activision now, I'm pretty sure that they are actually going to start doing that. I don't follow this very closely. Um, but I think that was the reason why they did go in and start shutting those down when they hadn't really before is because they're like, okay, now we they are going to be competitors, but it's still pretty shitty because it was the reason. The only reason they're doing that is because they realize there is more money that they can make. Mm. Um, whereas previous, again, for like several years, it had essentially been abandonware. It had been just something that they had of that version of the software is something that had been completely given up on. Um. So yeah, I, and that's that's kind of what I'm saying with in terms of when you do something like that and then you make it no longer available. Like that is incredibly shitty because when you release a piece of artwork, it it it's done. Like if you're an artist and you're making a piece of art, I feel like that belongs to you up until the point where you publish it and you distribute it. At that point, whoever has purchased it, like, that's theirs. And it becomes a part of who they are after having consumed it. But in the form of, of video games, especially, and especially modern video games, yeah. where they there are, you know, things that, especially now, where, like, 
release bugs. Yeah. And it's like, you know, they are trying to fix those after release or new things come mm -hmm. out or they want to add expansions, but you'll know, make it so that you don't have to play the expansions or such like I don't know, like, there, there has got to be some kind of in-between yeah. where you can release a product and still have it kind of be in development as people are consuming it. Yeah, but I feel like the the issue of, like, bugs that release and things like that, I mean, it, obviously, like, everything is going to be released with some sort of little problem. Mm -hmm. But not even, not even like, discounting the bugs, just just yeah. including you can, updates to the game right, and expansions and right, things like that. Right, right, right. Um, and video games, I mean... It that is where it becomes like kind of tricky because like uh, a video game is something that is kind of not I guess procedural mm. like it is more of an investment in like time and it's like it's never the same twice anyway usually where yeah, yeah but but you know but like you're not gonna get exactly the same experience unless it is something that is completely scripted and like with no sort of player input or choice, like like a visual novel. Hey, Doki perhaps. Doki. Yeah. 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 I mean, but even Doki Doki, like you could see different scenes or that do is different true. things. That is true. That make is different, true. like that. That's what I'm saying is that like uh, with a video game, it being different each and every time you play, is in part a, a, a factor of the player. Is in part a, a, a factor of the person who is experiencing it, mm -hmm. rather than the person who's created it. And that kind of makes it, yeah, for with video games, you kind of have this gray area. But it's like, and oftentimes these improvements are, are actual improvements. Like, you will not hear me fight for the fact that you can't go back and get the original version of Metal Gear Solid 3 in the HD collection or in the <laughs> Metal Gear Solid Legacy collection. Because that game was fucking terrible and the subsistence version is significantly better and that's the one that you can buy. Right. But it's the same story. Mm -hmm. Like, the only real difference is in terms of mechanics. Like, how does the game actually play? And mechanics are a thing where it's like, you can objectively have something be better than the other. Mm -hmm. Like, one thing be better than something else. Um, and even a, even a more strong example is the fact that you cannot get PT. Yeah, that's another one that's where it's the like... big example. Right I there. would love to be able to get that. Well, fuck Konami. Like, Konami Thousands, is... millions of people would love to get that. Yeah. You know, not even not even the I, actual promised uh, Silent Hills that it comes yeah, yeah, from, but just, just the just demo. PT, yeah, just, just let me be able to download the demo for this game that you're never going to make because you're too baby, busy making a pachinko machine. Yeah, machines. I mean, what are they, what are they losing? What would they lose by releasing it again? Or hell, like, it, was it free the first time? Or did yeah, they charge? yeah, it was a demo. Yeah. Then re-release it and charge for it. Yeah, be the capitalist swine I, that you want to be. I pay five <laughs> bucks to buy PT. Yeah. I pay ten. It's like an hour-long game. Yeah, but no, for it's a it's a teaser for something that will never be released. Yeah, no, that's another that that's a good example. I don't know why I wouldn't think of that one. Mm -hmm. But yeah, um, yeah. So Star Wars, PT, World of Warcraft, um, and the new Arrested Development. Like these are all examples of your ch like. Give me both options. Like let me have it. Like with the Stellaris example. Mm -hmm. Like like change it by all means. If you think you can make this thing better. By all means, please do. I would love to have it. But also give us the opportunity to roll back the version yeah. and play another version when, of the game. When Skyrim HD Edition what got released on PC and got released through Steam, I got that shit for free because I already owned the original Skyrim on my Steam account. 
I can download either version. That's cool. I can download and play either one. Um, it is entirely up to me. And that's one where I feel like there's no reason for me to ever want to go back to that original one. Just update the old one. But Except for mods that don't ex- exist. For except for mods that don't exist, perhaps. Right. Yeah. Um, but... And that's that's another thing, is that when when you have a game or a thing that audience participation in it, in the form of creating things like mods, that also adds some ownership ideals to the game yeah. itself, to the, the property. And it becomes, I feel it becomes even more murky, kind of going back to the PT example. So, Sorry. Uh, Sorry. No, I don't know. I, I feel like I have to break my own kind of cardinal rule, which I yeah, think yeah. is why I've been like... So quiet. Not that I like. I, oh, I'm gonna double break this. Tonight, what oh, was your, what your own rule? What was your rule again? Damn it. That we're only talking like, about contemporary media. We're only okay. gonna talk about contemporary media, and I feel like I need to give everybody like a history lesson about yep. the idea of the creator. I'm I'm settling in. Oh shit. Okay, so we're really gonna teach do us this. Sensei. Okay. Um, so a little bit of background on me because I feel like I have to justify this before I start going into it. Um, I've played the violin for about twenty years. And I also studied theater. And so I studied in college. I studied a lot of theater, theater history, literature and criticism. And I also studied a lot of music history, which kind of comes along with the gambit of having a, uh, a basically a background in music. All right. So that out of the way, this is, this is my not expert hat, but I'm going to throw it on in any way. Kind of the idea. <laughs> Alex is like literally passing me a hat to wear right now. Um, so it's kind of interesting that you guys are talking about this in this way of like, you know, it belongs to the people because the, the idea that art or media or whatever belongs to the creator is a really 19th century I, idea going back I'm to the romantic period. About, yeah. Sorry. Uh, did you want to talk about this? No, too? no, no. Go ahead. Okay. Um, it's a really nice, it's a, it's a very much a 19th century idea that comes out of the romantic movement, um, which is coming off the heels of the enlightened period in the late 18th century. Um, yes, I recognize how much of a douchebag I sound right now. Okay. So the enlightened period in the late 18th century, uh, mid to late 18th century was in Western Europe. And we got to only talk about Western Europe and the parts of America that were colonized by white people. Because, hey, surprise, surprise, we don't know that much because we're fucking Americans and we don't teach a lot about what was happening in Africa at that time or what's happening in in, um, East Asia. Okay. So, a bunch of white-ass Europeans create the Enlightenment. Uh, The Enlightenment is all about scientific. It's all about... It's got a very collectivist bent because it's like, you know, the, the... This is where the people, the society, society, this is where the ideas of early American democracy come out of. Uh, Like Thomas Jefferson literally studied underneath George Wythe, who is very much an enlightened um, uh, contemporary of the Enlightenment. And it was all about like logic and reason and we can understand the universe. And the individual. And the individual, but also the individual's place in a society and using the individual to help better the um, the society as a whole. The romantics come along and are like, hey man, and this starts uh, kind of with the Drum and Strong period uh, in uh, Germany. After the revolution in the Napoleonic era? Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. So, a- after that whole France saying, we're going to do it so bad, we're going to do it so hard, we're going to have metric time, yeah. we're going to do this thing. Yeah. Metric months, metric weeks, <laughs> 10 days <laughs> in a week. <laughs> it's great. <laughs> a year of what, like a hundred, like a, a, 
however so, many days, whatever. It, oh, it doesn't matter. Sense. So I love the 1790s of the German Strong period is kind of where the, the heels of the Enlightened are the uh, kind of marks the beginning of the Romantic period, uh, which in music is really denoted by Beethoven mm-hmm. as the start of the Romantic period. And he's kind of like our bridge composer from the 18th century, the classical era of like Bach and Haydn and then later Mozart into Liszt and Berlioz and all of those fuckers. I fucking hate them. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Strong opinions on 19th century music. Only here. <laughs> Only here. Only here, guys. Um, and it was, you know, because before that, it was your music, your art did not belong to you. In Shakespeare's time, it really, it he didn't make his money from... Um, from writing his plays. Shakespeare didn't make his money from writing his plays. Shakespeare made his money because he was a he was a holder in the collective company or he got it because he was he had patrons such as Queen Elizabeth who would give him money to write things. He actually got plagiarized. One, he plagiarized a lot. But two, he also himself got plagiarized all the shit show time. Okay? There are copies of Hamlet that were created by people who we pretty sure were just like spear holder number three or not to be is that all is that all (laughs) um but literally like they would go they would they like knew their lines really well they would write them down and then they would go take them to competing playhouses and then these competing playhouses would then stage them or they would write them down and so that way people could like read them but anyway um you know you look at bach bach doesn't own any of his music it's owned purely by the churches that he works for or the patrons that he has some of his best work the brandenburg concertos sat in a fucking shelf for years like centuries um and were only discovered like much much later because he wrote them and he lost the contract to a much worse composer who i can't remember his name right now but also fuck him mm-hmm. um but like the so- brandenburg concertos which people know and love you know, but none of this stuff belongs to them until then. We get to the fucking nineteenth century. So, what you're, if if I may sum yeah. sum sum up this whole sum up early my of the crazy period, crazy rant that the property belonged to the people that provided the capital for its creation. <laughs> yes. Okay. Yes. So how does Prior that change? Prior to the nineteenth century, the yes, exactly what you said. Um, can you say it one more time? Okay. So that way we're all on the same page. The here. property belonged to the entity that provided the capital for its creation yes just repeating myself so what happens later is sort of the rise of stardom in which kind of starts with mozart being like this crazy wunderkind who goes on tour and is sort of like the original pop star in a lot of ways and like a lot of like the really obnoxious behavior that we yeah. typically associated with. Wrote a lot of songs about farts. Wrote a shit ton of songs. A lot songs of about songs farts. about butts being written by Mozart. Farts, analingus. Uh, <laughs> I'm not even joking. Not even joking. Look this shit up. Okay. Hey kids. So <laughs> <laughs> um, Maybe put open a, a private tab in your in your browser. <laughs> so, Incognito mode. <laughs> yeah. So it, what are you doing, son? I'm looking up Mozart, mom! <laughs> <laughs> um, I would say it kind of starts with the rise of, of Beethoven and Beethoven's popularity. Um, now, in the 19th century, you have more composers writing things for themselves and hoping to get an audience out of that as opposed to being patronized 
by a larger force. This is where the ideal of the starving artist comes from. This is where La Boheme comes from, which if you don't know what La Boheme is, hey, did you see Rent? It's the better version of that. Um, <laughs> so this is where the ideal of the starving, starving artist really comes out of the 19th century and the idea of like creating art for art's sake and this is mine and not yours and I created it and therefore it belongs to me because of the fact that we have the disintegration of the of the patron system um, combined with a booming middle class that is able to pay for things like tickets to concerts to go see their favorite composers. And then you have an influx of travel, people being able to travel to go see people. Um, all of this is like a perfect storm, which kind of works into things that are also other ideas created around that time, such as copyright, comes out of the 19th century. Right. Which, interestingly enough, I feel brings us back around, as it always does, to Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> um, so all of this, the Romantic era, the Classical era, all of it was just waiting in the wings <laughs> for Star Wars to exist. So, yes. okay. So, yeah. so this idea about, okay. So this idea about, oh, I am the artist. And this belongs to me. And this is another problem that I have with it. Because on the one hand, I feel like art does belong to the people who consume it. Because the consumption of art and consumption of media changes who you are as a person. To a certain, to a greater or lesser degree, depending on the quality of the art. And depending on your particular uh, attachment to it, right? Um, so it belongs to you in that sense. Telemann, sorry. That was the name of the composer that I couldn't think of. <laughs> Okay, then. All right, no good. So, Doc lost a contract to Telemann. So, in addition to that, art also exists to the people who do help to create it, but who do not own it. Yes. Okay? It's 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 uh, it's not like a painting that's done by one person yeah. or like a music that's composed by one person. But even but even, even then it's like the orchestra you that even plays have the it. orchestra and like yeah. again like the, the Sistine yeah. the Sistine Chapel wasn't just painted by Michelangelo. He had like millions of other people who helped him do that. Yes. Not millions. more like dozens. Dozens, but still. Like we don't know their names. They've been completely lost to history, but like that the Sistine Chapel belongs as much to them as it belongs to the designer, as it belongs to the patron, as it belongs to the, I, I am not going to be exaggerating here, millions of people who have seen it in person and who have been moved by it. Yeah. Like, possibly even billions at this point. It's hundreds of years old. Um, so, just as I feel something like Star Wars belongs to all of the people who, watching Star Wars from a young age, kind of influence their personality, just as much as it belongs to... The, the person, you know, to George, George Lucas. Lucas. Right. Disney Company. Uh, to Disney Company. Oh, more, I would say more than it belongs to Disney Company, um, who did nothing but pay for it, uh, uh, who did, like, did not help in, like, the longevity of it, who did not help in the actual creation of it. It belongs to all of the artists who put in sweat and, you know, hundreds of man hours to create it. From the actors, from to the, the actors, grips, to the cameramen. I'm, I'm particularly thinking in this case about the people who did the special effects, the original members of ILM. If you are changing the edition of Star Wars that has come out, if you are no longer making the original version available, you are essentially destroying the things that they spent so much time and energy creating. That... If you cannot see the original Death Star explosion, think about how much effort went into that. 
if you are not able to see all of the original models because they have been replaced by CGI, like that is diminishing their work and destroying their work. At least, at least that's something at least to say. Sorry. Um, no, I was just going to say this idea too of the director being supreme the or that the art, the auteur theory, the yeah. auteur is also directly related to 19th century theater because prior to the 19th century people, um, theater companies worked as collective collectivist entities. And so people would, you know, sometimes you would have like one person kind of being like, yeah, you should do whatever. But for the most part, everybody sort of worked together to create a, a show um, but they were also delegated to certain roles. So like the ingenue, she had all of those roles until she retired. So even if she's like 60, she still gets to play Juliet because she's the ingenue. Um, and then it's later in the 19th century with the rise of the kind of scaling back of touring companies and the rise of people coming to see certain shows in certain areas like New York City and London um, and where now you have the audience coming to you as opposed to you having to go to them. Now we have to have somebody that's in charge of everybody. And that's kind of where the director grows out of. So to sum all that up, <laughs> the solution is democratic control by the workers that produce <laughs> the media <laughs> to control the fate of the media they produce. Yeah. Sure, Alex. Yeah. But I also feel like I also feel like because it is I mean it is a patronage system. Like what we exist in today in terms of in terms of mass media, it is a patronage system. Like you are a patron of the arts in everything that you have done. In every album you've bought, every time you go to the movies, every time you you renew your Netflix subscription, you are a patron of the arts. And so like essentially <laughs> no, I'm serious. I I kind of want to like play I don't know if I'm playing devil's advocate or if I really believe this real quick, but but where patron comes out of mm. is somebody super rich paying you to do something. Yeah. And although or a bunch all of, of us, very poor people paying mm -hmm. you to do something. Although all of us can, well, but it's, that's what Patreon's all about. That's what Patreon is all that's about. That's what all of Patreon's, but I'm saying, I'm saying historically, historically though, though, yeah, historically though, we are not patrons of the arts so much as we are consumers mm. of the arts, but, I would say. But, and it, Disney now more so fills that role of of patron. Where which is does why Disney I, get the money? Like, that's what I'm saying. Is like, if none of where us decided... Where did fucking Shakespeare's Playhouses get if, the money? From the... But, from the fucking... Un but what I'm saying is, if you're going to use that definition of patron as one really rich person who gives the money to, cre to, the, to the creators to make the art, like... Those guys stole their fucking money. Fair enough. We're, we are. Fair enough. It's called we, primitive accumulation. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's all the rage of colonialism. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and even before then, yeah. too. I mean, like a medieval Europe was all about raping and pillaging. Um, and that's that's how those guys got their money. Uh, they they stole and murdered and they stole and murdered enough that eventually they're like, man, I'd like a really nice statue of me, like right here. <laughs> Could I get somebody talented to make a statue? And then of we me? had the Renaissance. Like yeah. that's all that is. That's literally all that is. All we've done is we replaced that with a whole bunch of people going, we want that thing over there, and giving all of our money to an entity that will that will then distribute that money to creators. 
So my point is, but when I say that we are all like patrons of the arts, like yes, we are not all individually <laughs> saying yes, uh, yes. Uh, w- w- uh, what's the name of the guy that? Um, uh, who's Ro- the name? The guy- Rockefeller? No, no, the guy that. Um, the guy that's been like overseeing all of the uh, all of the Marvel movies. Oh, uh, I don't Feig, know. whatever his name is. Yeah. Um. Uh. He's like, yeah. He says we. We enjoy those Marvel movies. Yes, would you please make another one? <laughs> like, like that's not what's happening. Is we've got we're democratizing the patronage of the arts, mm. right? Like, all of us are voting with our wallets to say we want this thing. Please make more of these things. Um, and so, and that's that's literally the point that I was that that kind of came about. Like when Arrested Development season four happened. The only reason why it happened is because lots of people bought Netflix subscriptions and with their Netflix subscriptions, they watched through Arrested Development and was like, hey, we would like some more of this. And so Netflix said, hey, people who made Arrested Development, would you like to make some more? It was, it's a one step removed, but it's certainly, it's a one-to-one correlation of this is a thing that people want and now it's being made. And now, now we're seeing this happen even more. Like this is kind of pushing this further even more. Like think about what happened with, um, Brooklyn Nine-Nine recently. Yeah. Okay. Like Brooklyn Nine-Nine was canceled and picked up by another network within a week. Okay. It wasn't even that. It was a weekend. They were like. Uh, NBC said, hey, Fox, you don't want this Brooklyn Nine-Nine anymore? Hey, anyone here want this? And a million people said yes, and so NBC just picked it right up. Same thing happened with The Expanse, right? Lots of people have been watching The Expanse, ourselves included, on Amazon. So when Sci-Fi said, oh, we're not going to keep making the show anymore, Amazon said, well, fuck it. We're having a lot of people pay us Prime memberships and watch The Expanse, so we're going to finish the series so that people can keep paying us, Right? Like, and that's really the, the, that's really the issue here is that there's that, there's that step in between. There's the gatekeeper there. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's really what's annoying about it is that with things like Patreon, with things like Kickstarter, we're getting more and more of this direct patronage of things that we want. Um, speaking of which, Spell, uh, the Spell Kickstarter stuff that was successful recently. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the boxes are in, the tiles are in, the dice Ooh. are in, um, and those are going to be shipped out when the books are all published, which is going to take a while. But hey, uh, Patreon, hey, uh, Whimsy Machine, if you're out there listening, <laughs> thanks. Like We're really excited to be getting those. Yeah. Um, but that's what's making like this such an interesting time is that the gatekeepers are still there. And they're still as big and burly and tough as ever. But we're also kind of got our foot in the door just a little bit in terms of how we're making art. And how we're we're seeing art being made. And so what I'm saying is I want the original Star Wars to be released on special (laughs) edition Blu-ray. Disney, I will pay you any price. (laughs) Elise, you had a point you were going to make. I'm sorry. This is... So this is something that's kind of like bothering me while you're talking about this. And okay. I recognize what I'm about to say is super shitty. Okay. Okay. We've so been if we accept your idea that we should vote with our wallets and that we have, we have upside downed the patronage system and we are the patrons. I'm not saying it's completely upside down, but I'm saying it's getting that way. Then with this idea, I hate it when people say vote with your wallets. Yes. Okay. Because that's how we got Citizens United. Fair enough. And now we have a, with this idea of, I vote with my wallet, 
my money is an extension of my voice. That's how Citizens United came about. And now we have super PACs and now we have the 1% shoving shit tons of money into our government, making laws and policies that purely benefit the 1% while the rest of us get fucked. And so how do we... A so, couple of yeah. couple of like questions here. One, do we still want to say that? Two, if we do, how do we divest or how do we rationalize this with the fact that like with we can vote with our wallets but not in democracy? Do we separate these two? Do we rationalize it? Yeah, voting with your wallet is a bit of a fallacy. I would not yeah. have used that word yeah, to describe yeah. what you're describing. Yeah, no, that's fair, but... But, you know, you do make a point, is that if you, you know, you need to convince vast numbers of people with a little bit of money, or you could just have one asshole with a bunch of money yeah. and say, yeah. I will pay you a lot of money to, or I will pay you a lot of money to buy this property to just sit on it and not do anything with it. Yeah. Because I'm yeah. a jerk. And, and I... the very real example of that one fucker who bought the Wu-Tang Klein album Oh, Pharma oh, yeah. Bro. Pharma oh, yeah. Bro bought yeah. the Wu-Tang Martin Martin yeah. That was seized by the FBI. I'm waiting for yeah. that to be released in evidence. Yeah. Um. But he bought the Wu-Tang. You know, this is kind of like the convergence of these two things, which is he bought this Wu-Tang client album. There was only one ever made and then just fucking sat on it. Well, he's a terrible human being. In fairness, and and you know I am loath to be fair to Martin Shkreli. <laughs> <laughs> However... That was actually part of the terms of the purchase. Is that whoever, really? yeah, whoever ended up purchasing it could not release it to the public. I mean, for all we know, it could just be twenty minutes of them saying you're an asshole over and over <laughs> again. Man, I wish. Oh, if only. Um, but no, but they, they, but yeah, they recorded that album and they did. They basically wanted it to be like this secret, like lore fueled thing. Where it's like whoever actually ended up buying it, it's like there was there was like there it's was a like cursed object. <laughs> God, I wish no. this is the monkey's oh, paw that finally no, landed no, no. Martin Scarlet no, in jail. No, 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 because there's a there is a um, Ghostface Killer has an album about like how he became the Ghostface Killer and he uh, he was he was betrayed by by another crime family who killed him and then put his ashes into uh, 12 vinyl records and then his spirit lived on in that. Um, I feel like that's actually what happened here. Is Ghostface <laughs> Killer actually did die and yeah. now, and that's, and he uh, did something. I don't know. That that album's weird. He's got like a superhero or something. I don't know. Anyway. Um, <laughs> um, so, but, but the, the, and I think that's ultimately the, the, the what Alex said, kind of going back to this um, about, you either have to convince a whole lot of people with a little bit of stuff or one person with all the stuff and like that's equ equivalent. And I feel like that's what the problem is with Citizens United, right? Like it's fine. It, it, like, like, hey, money can be speech if everyone has the equal amount of money. Like that's that's yeah. the, where the issue lies is that there's unequal amounts of money, <laughs> um, and I feel income like, inequality. It's not great. Yeah, <laughs> some nerds of a podcast hard hitting, <laughs> hard hitting commentary on the world. Income inequality. <laughs> Capitalism is, is kind of a bummer. bummer. Yeah. Income income inequality not kind great. of not great. And really strong opinions about uh, classical and romantic era composers. <laughs> you can't get all that stuff anywhere else, guys. Yes. Tell your friends. <laughs> Uh, soundcloud.com slash some nurse have a podcast yeah um so <laughs> what was the point i was making so the point is like like that's ultimately where the problem lies is that this kind of the, the 
like I said, the, the gatekeepers are the problem. The problem is not, hey, like, we want this thing. We would give you creator. We will give you money to give us this thing that we would like from you. Mm. Um, that should be all it is. And to a degree, and this is what gives me hope, is we are seeing this. As I mentioned, we are seeing this with um, with Patreon. We are seeing this with, um, with Kickstarter. Kickstarter. We are also seeing this... We've been even before Patreon and Kickstarter existed. We started seeing this more with music, like with the age of downloadable music, where you didn't have to go through a record company, where you could put get Audible and a half decent microphone and a shitty mixer, like what we've got, and you could actually record your own music. In fact, the mixer that we're using right now, that's what it was originally purchased for, was for someone that I know to record music in his basement, like. And, and, like, sell it and, like, put it on a CD and release it and, like, give it to people. And no record company really was involved. Like, record companies yeah. really used to be huge, shitty corporations yeah. that really mistreated people. And they still do. And, Those of them that yeah. still exist. But they started to collapse because we got our foot in the door and we started getting, like, hey, remember MySpace? Like, that's what that was. It was, it was a place for, you know, bands, up-and-coming bands to release music and be like, hey, if you like our stuff, this is where you can buy it. Now and, we've got SoundCloud. Yeah, since you're already got, on SoundCloud, after you listen to us, go check out the, the music section. Yeah. Yeah, there's some, plenty of very talented independent artists yeah, out there. SoundCloud, Bandcamp, um, Spotify. We, like, Spotify is kind of shitty for different reasons, but it's like it, it allows us, like, this kind of digital distribution – allows people to be able to democratize this way way more like instead of having to find one person who's willing to invest a whole lot of money for you to make your art you can find a whole bunch of people who are like yeah that sounds like a thing that i might like here's five bucks or man i'd really like all those really things that that you're mentioning here's 20 25 200 um you sent me this thing the other day but i already i actually already saw that oh, yeah. about with the uh the documentary being made about the log lady yeah yeah, yeah. um they are doing a kickstarter and like I, I was half jokingly but half serious talking to elise about all the the benefits that you got and it's like one of the things you can get i was like oh yeah you can get your own log that gives you pieces of advice and that's like the 250 dollars. <laughs> we're level. not buying that i kind of want the log um <laughs> no, no no it wasn't 250 dollars because then i might have said yes it oh. was like the thousand dollar level or something it wasn't quite that high it was it was, it was i think it was, it was like 400 more, it was like 450 it was more than i'd be willing to spend on a christmas present for you therefore you're not getting it <laughs> um <Sorry. laughs> but yeah and like they, when, then you know you know so you don't have to find the one asshole with all the money you just have to ha find a whole bunch of people with a little bit of money a whole bunch of assholes <laughs> a whole bunch of assholes <laughs> keep firing assholes <laughs> Um, and then like, there's, there's problems with it. Yeah. I mean, the Kickstarter, we could do an entire yeah. other hour, hour. on yeah. how shitty some people are on Kickstarter, but overall, I think it's a really positive thing. I think it's a really good thing. And does that bring us into net neutrality? Uh, yeah. Let's talk about net neutrality <laughs> again. Call your Senator. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, didn't it, did it pass the Senate or did it pass the house? It passed hey. the Senate. There was, there was a, there was a bill. Recently. I mean, if it passed the Senate by sure, it's going to pass the house. What? What? No. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, there was that. There was a bill recently to, to save net neutrality. Oh, save net neutrality, yeah, not yeah. not include it. Oh yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. I, no, there was one recently to save net neutrality. It just like this past week, it passed the Senate. Okay. Um. So 
you know, who knows? Who knows? We'll see. The um, future is uncertain. Uh, write, write to your congressman. Tell them you want to see Ajit Pai written out of uh, written out of town. Written on, out of existence. Written out of existence. Written <laughs> <laughs> out of town on a rail. I was gonna say written out of town on a rail. Um, that's really yeah. all, that. I, I wasn't gonna write him out of existence. Uh, oh man, you think you think Ajit Pai died in the Infinity Wars universe? <laughs> <laughs> I hope. so. I hope so. That uh, would actually make me like that movie more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like, and you see that helicopter crash into that building. Yeah, it was Ajit Pai. <laughs> <laughs> he just he just like fades away. He's like yeah. somewhere. He's like, like no, <laughs> like doing something really shitty. I had I had so many more uh, palms to grease. I was about to kick this puppy. <laughs> the puppy lives. <laughs> <laughs> oh hell yeah! Good new head cannon. New head cannon. Yeah. Uh, spoiler alerts for <laughs> for Infinity War, by the way. Spoiler alerts: Ajit Pai dies. Yeah, yeah. Ajit Pai dies in Infinity Wars. <laughs> Um. Uh, so yeah, that's I don't know, I I, I kind of wanted to just talk about this because it was just it was something that I was thinking about with especially with um the new Arrested Development and again like change can be good but there's absolutely no reason for that old original season four to get off there like to be taken to be taken off of uh, Netflix um like it's their thing. Why would you take it off? And I've been paying my subscription for like years now since I was in college. I've been regularly subscribed to Netflix. So I feel like, you know, part of my patronage, it's like if I paid like Leonardo da Vinci, again, kind of go back to this. If I said, Leonardo da Vinci, make me this portrait. He made me this portrait. I'm like, oh, that's a great portrait. Thanks a lot. And he's like, oh, oh, I fit, decided it's not, it's not, oh, it's not good enough. I need to put a do back in this portrait. <laughs> Sebulba needs to be walking around in, in the cantina here. Like, like, you don't do that. <laughs> I paid you for the art that I wanted. I'm like, oh, this is great art. Here. So you're going to limit the creator of the art? No, I'm not going to limit the creator of the art, but I am going to say, if you want to do that, fine. Do, do that. it again. Do it again. <laughs> Let me have the thing that I want, and then like I will decide which one is better because I am your patron. I'm your boss. Okay? I I'm getting really... I'm getting some weird vibes from your tone right now, man. As somebody... <laughs> who studied theater and like part of art is also like you get what you get. You know what I mean? Part of art is you get what you get. And like for sure the original star Wars, I I know I keep harping on this, but this is like the, or example, like this was the first time that happened and we could talk about other ones. Like remember the, um, uh, the version of ET where they like took out all of the, uh, the guns and replaced them with walkie talkies. Yeah. But you know, Let's let's not let's break your rule again and talk about oral tradition. Okay. <laughs> because for the Homer was an asshole, right? Let's, for the majority let's of human existence, media was not set in stone. It was told from generation to generation. Right. And but... each generation would add its own tweaks and quirks and you can find five different examples of the Elkambic of Gilgamesh. And the thing that I would say, what I would respond to that with is even though it wasn't written in stone, it was also more, again, it was more democratized. Like that oral oral tradition was an oral tradition that belonged to everyone in the culture to a degree. 
or the one theater. person that remembered it. Yeah, or the one person who bothered to remember it. Theater in Grecian times was literally democratized because they would vote on their favorite plays. Yeah. During major festivals. And and it was. Uh, but wasn't it also the assembly that paid for the chorus or something like yeah. that? Um, it was a uh, it was a civic it was a civic duty to be part of the chorus. Uh, basically, it was like being on jury duty or something like that. Yeah. Um, we should bring that back. We should. <laughs> oh man, oh, can duty? you imagine? I, I would go be in like. <laughs> Like a like a stint uh, on Hamilton. Uh, can you come into work order. early? Oh, no, sorry, I got chorus duty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, how was chorus duty? Uh, I'm sorry, we can't talk about it until opening night. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, that's They great. only paid would... me $5 an hour and free parking. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to have Do a really get... sweet uh, chorus, chorus duty party, though, after we wrap. Do we get a per diem? <laughs> <laughs> I'd be down for that. I'd, yeah. be, I'd be totally. Right? Yeah, uh, no, we need to bring this shit back. Like, um, everybody has to do like a, like a like a one week tour in their city's like Shakespeare <laughs> festival or something. Oh man, like, that'd be great. <laughs> oh man. Oh, write your congressman. <laughs> first, first net neutrality. neutrality then, <laughs> then this. <laughs> then chorus duty. Bringing it back. <laughs> Getting getting our uh, getting America's problems solved in the order in which they are a problem. <laughs> First, internet. Two, musical theater. <laughs> There's not enough of it, and not enough people are involved. Um, make community theaters literal again. Um, <laughs> okay. You come you come to some nerds of a podcast for the big takes. Yeah, yeah. Takes. <laughs> uh, Okay, so what was the point that I was making before we got on this? I'm sorry. Um, something, something. Um, but yeah, no, like, give me the thing that I originally paid for. Let me still have that. And like, and I'm sure there are people out there who still have a working laserdisc player and like their their original copy of you know a New Hope on laserdisc. And pirate like, that shit. <laughs> Put they, it on the internet. You could people tweet that are. at us. Yeah. People do. I think Nick would be really happy. Um, we'll talk about this off mic. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know, it should also be for those of us who would like to just like who lost those, who no longer have those things available to us, or who watched it so often that the VHS tape fucking broke, like in my case. Um. I would like to be able to see one of my favorite movies again, and currently it does not exist in the way that I want to watch it. And that's really kind of shitty. Um, and that's, yeah, that's the point that I that I was going to get on. Man, we went on a meandering we, path. We went on a wild, crazy journey today. <laughs> and we what took, did we all learn? And we took you all with us. Yeah. Yeah. What, what did we learn today? I learned a lot about uh, romantic era music. Elise, what did Good. you learn? Um... I learned a lot about World of Warcraft. <laughs> oh, man, you did not learn. Like, we barely even touched oh, the surface man. of it. Yeah. I learned absolutely nothing. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, Elise and I also wanted to talk about... Do we want to... Do we want to bring that up? We've been talking for an hour and a half. Do we want to do this, or we want to talk about it? I, I think I, I think the Who Does Art Belong To is going to have a follow-up wherein we talk about uh, how does who does art belong to yeah. relate to toxic how, masculinity, the Me Too movement? Yeah. How can you divorce art from the artists when the artist is a shitty person? Yeah, that's that's the thing that we ended last episode on. Did oh we? shit, really? Yeah. This is kind of a repeat. Man, is I, this like the thing? Like, bro, like, we'll talk about it next time. That was what we, we said. Just never okay. talk we'll about talk it. We'll talk about it the next, well, next right. time. Okay. Well, we can talk um, about it. 
All right. So I just I feel like that's gonna take an hour and so a half. Kanye and we're gonna West. have like three a. Um. Fuck, we're really going there. Aren't we? Kanye West, the only man you can put on all four wait, corners of a political wait, axis. Wait, yeah, yeah. Put the put the the webcomic of the week. Let's wrap this up. Um, we're gonna be here for five hours. If we if we open this can of worm, we're gonna be here for five hours. Kanye West. Uh, I just want to say this. I want to put this out there. We'll, we'll George Bush doesn't care about black people. George Bush does not care about black people. Kanye. Um, and this was kind of this is this is one of the many things that I have. I. I my theory is, I saw this, I, I don't remember who originally posted this, but someone had a very interesting uh, series of tweets where he essentially described how, what Kanye West is currently doing. And it's been a while since we've heard from him. I, 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 at least as far as I'm aware, he hasn't uh, put his foot in his mouth recently. I mean, seems to have stopped. How, how do you, how recently is recently? I mean, within like, the last, like, since the last time we recorded. Okay. No. Um... <laughs> Because for a while there, it was like every day he was doing or saying something outrageous. And then he just kind of stopped. And there was a really interesting series of tweets when it was like, when it was at its most like on the present. Where this one guy kind of dug deep into the Kanye West Twitterverse and basically determined that he was doing an Andy Kaufman style performance art piece. <laughs> and it's actually really fascinating um, and really plausible. Like and, okay. and so that's kind of where I'm at right now. He had okay. Go on. Okay, <laughs> uh, I don't remember exactly what it all was, but basically, Kanye West before he started doing all the insane Donald Trump shit, um, <laughs> before he started doing all the insane Donald Trump shit, he was tweeting things about like oh current vision board, and it was there was it was three pictures, three or four pictures. Um, one of them was a performance artist from the 1970s who did a piece called I Like America and America Likes Me, which was he locked himself in a room with a wild coyote for three days to kind of gain the coyote's trust. Uh, and kind of like, so like this symbol of the dangers of wild America and through familiarity kind of make it less dangerous. Okay. So that's one of the things that Kanye West, the one of the pictures that he tweeted before all this shit went was down. Was himself locked in a room with No, a... no, no. Was oh. a picture of that artist. Oh, okay. So this artist who did this piece in the 1970s. The second picture was of a guy who tried to recontextualize racist images and like reclaim them for the races that they were... Um, that they were kind of discriminating against, that they were like, like um, that they were stereotyping. So, okay, so those two things. And then the final one was a piece of paper with half of Andy Kaufman's face drawn on it and the word Andy written over the top. Okay. Um, and there's another guy who Kanye West is collaborates with who he had a, also tweeted a picture that apparently showed him at a table in his house. And this guy keeps responding to the crazy bullshit that Kanye West was tweeting with things like um, an emoji of a spade being one of the racist symbols that the guy tried to recontextualize, mm -hmm. a guy in a cowboy hat, and two people wrestling. Now, one of the big performance art pieces that Andy Kaufman did was wrestling women. Okay. And so whenever he would tweet insane like alt-right bullshit this guy would respond with things hinting at this is a joke this is performance art 
this is him being Andy Kaufman. And the reason that it makes it even more plausible that we haven't heard from him recently is because I think he realized he pushed it too far when there because the last thing about it was that thing at TMZ where that the, the reporter at TMZ was like, look, man, you are going like way overboard with this. Like, cause I don't think you're realizing how much what you're saying is affecting actual real world people. Mm-hmm. And he stopped like as soon as that video went out, that was the last time anyone started talking about how crazy right wing Kanye West was becoming. So I think that's what he was trying to do. He realized it was backfiring. And so he shut the fuck up. I honestly do think that that is the case. Then why hasn't he, now it's been some time, or maybe he will later, come out and say it? Oh, that's part of the the part of the theory that the guy had who kind of put this all together was that the album, because he's been working on a couple, he's been working on many albums mm-hmm. at this same time. Um, part of his theory was that one of the albums that was going to come out was basically going to be the punchline. Okay. Um, I, I don't know. I hope that that's true. Uh, as I pointed out, as I often say, whenever anyone gives me shit about Kanye West uh, in the past, is that, yeah, he's kind of an asshole and he's kind of an egotistical jerk. Um, that egotism, I feel like, comes from genuine talent. Because if you actually look at the shit that he does, the dude is incredibly smart. And he's very, very talented. And I feel like he knows exactly what he's doing pretty much at all times. And when he jumps up and says something and, like, shouts people down... I would say he is almost always right because George Bush doesn't care about black people mm. and Beyonce did have the better music video <laughs> and like people lost their shit when he does stuff like that. And I'm like, he's just, he's saying the truth. So I feel like there's more going on here that we are not seeing. I, I don't know if that's actually true. I want it to be true mm-hmm. because my beautiful dark twisted fantasy is like one of the best albums of the 21st century. And Jesus is pretty good too. And, like, College Dropout is amazing. And, like, everything that he makes, I enjoy. And so, like, I don't, like, I don't want this to be the case. But I, we'll, we'll talk about this. I, we'll, we'll make that our big talk conversation next week, I guess, about how can you divorce uh, the artist from <laughs> so the So we're art. tabling it for, for another, now, now that for you've a had this time. long discussion about I, I just, <laughs> this was kind of, this is, this is a taste. I don't know. Yeah, just a little taste. Like, this one's free, I, I think, Come I back think next we, week. We'll get the. <laughs> these are all free. We don't charge for a podcast. Oh, that's fair enough. Um, no, because like I think the last time we brought this up was in you reference to, to yeah. you, you know Diaz uh, and the brief and wondrous life of Oscar Wow, which great. Thanks yeah. for which, ruining it. You know that book that I'm not going to read now. The book so, that you yeah. wanted me to read that I'm not going to read. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I feel like it should still be read, but yeah, don't don't buy it. There's okay. One of our copies. Yeah. Um. <laughs> Um, uh, but I guess if we're going to do, are we, we going to do a book club? I feel like we should do a book club at I mean, some point. I just finished yeah. reading a book. Okay. I've... Can we, can we, can we do a book that I've read recently that I've been say, telling everyone that will, that will talk to me for long enough for me to shout this at them? Uh-huh. Um, people all need to read, um, the, the, uh, uh, the long way to a yes! small angry planet. A long uh, way to a small angry planet. Who's that by? Uh, I think her name is Becky Chambers. Give me a second here. Let's let's look that up. And um, I would say maybe two podcasts from now. It's it's a pretty easy read. Yeah. It's also on Audible. Um. So hey, Audible, if you wanna 
Throw yeah, yeah, some yeah. patronage. Throw some, throw some money to us. <laughs> I think we have to approach them. I don't know. Uh, this, we is, are. this is yeah. us approaching them. Yeah, right the now. long way to a small angry planet by Becky Chambers. Um, if if I don't know you personally and you're listening to this and you have not heard me gush, gush about it, I think I'm going to give a little bit of a, a a brief little synopsis and explain why I love it so much. So this is it's feminist science fiction, and I, I say I guess it's it's feminist because it is science fiction that is not really about warfare like there's a war involved in it but it's kind of incidental to the rest of the stuff that's going on because most of the story is about like hey when we get out in space are we gonna fuck who are we gonna fuck how's fucking gonna happen because that's all feminists care about um is well, the fucking. i mean okay well, it's more about it's more about i say it like that just kind of as a joke but it's more about like relationships and like how are we going to deal with species that are unlike us and have different <laughs> concepts of sex and gender and sexuality. Um, so I would argue that science fiction is inherently a feminist genre and that it gets taken over by toxic masculinity I've, at various points throughout history. Because you have to remember, yeah. it's created by Mary Shelley, Shelley. Yeah, as a true. way to not have I, to fuck Lord Byron again. I mean... Like, and not have a three-way <laughs> with that. And, you know, and, and all of Frankenstein uh, is about, like... How do we deal with, with the other? Yeah. What does it mean to be the other? Yeah. And it deals with a lot of like inherently feminist issues before we really have that That's word true. in our lexicon. And it's just over time, science fiction has gotten co-opted yes. by by then, yeah. by toxic male individuals. Hugo Gernsbeck got a yeah. hold of it. Yeah. Fuck those asses. <laughs> but but this book, this is an incredibly good novel. It it follows um a, the crew of a spaceship that has been hired. So basically it's, it's the future and like, it's, it's kind of like a Star Trek galactic Federation sort of a thing where, you know, we find all these other intelligent species who also have spaceships and we've decided to make a loose confederation of planets and species. And we like trade and we share stuff, but people basically just kind of do their own thing. Um, so they've been hired uh, to make a new warp gate to uh, this other planet where this planet is like, well, why are we making an alliance with them? Because these guys are crazy and they're like still fighting each other. Like they're still fighting people on their own planet. Like, why do we want them to join us? Turns out that's like, oh, it's only one faction that we've made this alliance with. So that's why it's called a long way to, the long way to a, a small angry planet because there's no way for them to travel faster than light to this place. So it's a fairly long journey. Um, are we the small angry planet? No, the, no the, oh. we're not. We're okay. this is after human beings have kind of like found their place in galactic society, and but most of the actual drama in the book is about different kinds of relationships that the members of the crew are in. Um, so the engineer is in love with the AI on the ship, um, and a lot of their plot involves um, AI still doesn't have full human right like like full rights as a sentient uh being even though they essentially are um and so he really wants to get her uh body to download her in but they are illegal um but you can still get them but it's like do i really want to be in there because then i wouldn't be a part of the ship anymore and that's kind of part of who she is remember and, people ai rights are human rights yeah ai rights are human <laughs> rights or ai rights are sentient rights yeah. yeah um and the captain of the ship is um is having a relationship with a woman in another species 
and her species is really kind of closed off and so it's like she's in the military for her species and so they kind of have to keep their relationship a secret for various like political reasons um but then you also have my favorite couple um there's a human woman and a uh and a lizard woman from a basically pansexual polyamorous race um who live in big families that is constantly shifting members and then basically whenever they have children they give their children to their parents to raise so it's like because like well we're just kind of we're young and we're doing our things and so these guys since they're older they're kind of more settled down and so they know more about being a full like person than we do so we'll just kind of give them to you and so, so child rearing is shifted up a generation yeah, yeah. basically it's really it's like it's and so there's like that kind of stuff it's really really fascinating like all the different kind of societies and relationships and sexualities that are expressed in there um there's a lot of stuff about like um like like gender like gender changing um gender like uh neutrality uh lots of third lots of uh third person singular non-gendered pronouns in this book um so it's really really good and lots of really good like science fiction questions too and i I think that's what like i really connected me to it oh cool do you have a copy i could um unfortunately the only copies i have are digital yeah so I know you hate it when I do this, Alex, and saying, like, next time on Dragon Ball Z, we'll talk about whatever. But um, if we t- if we do our book club in, so if we do the next episode where we finally tackle the question of... Can you divorce art from the artist? Can you divorce art from the artist as sort of a follow-up to the discussion we had today? And then uh, two episodes from now will be our book club discussion of a The Long Way to a Small Angry Planet okay. by Becky Chambers. Uh, so then that would give Not everybody... shitty science fiction. Hooray. <laughs> uh, that would give everybody a month to read it. And then it would also steal ourselves for the massive uh, discussion that is coming. Would you be okay with this? Yeah, I'd be okay with that. Like, like I said, I just finished reading a book. And while I do technically have another two books in the hopper, I can shift this one in the first and, and read that and you say it's not a very particularly uh, long one is yeah it? let me let me see here i'm i'm pulling up the audio book copy now because that's probably what i'm going to end up having to do um yeah and there's, uh, there was also a sequel to it um that i did not like quite as much but it's still very good um the audio book is about 14 hours long 14 hours long okay I, does it say how many pages it would be? Uh, give me a second. That's Hold fine. Kindle. That's fine. <laughs> yeah, no. Oh, I, actually, here, let me... Yeah, I uh, recently... While you look that up, I recently re- uh, finished reading um, uh, And Then There Were None. Okay. By okay. by Agatha Christie, uh, which... It, have you guys... You guys have read... I, I've never read Agatha Christie, but I think I'm familiar with that story. That's all the, where all the people are, are invited to the house, and they're not sure what connects them. Yeah, they're all invited to this house on an island, and they're not sure why they're all there. And then people, there's a there's a nursery rhyme written on the walls, and then people start dying. And there's only ten people on the island, and they figure one of them must be the murderer, Ooh. and they end up all dying at the end. Uh, also. Uh, the third book in the series, Record of a Spaceborn Few, 
by Becky Chambers is coming out July 24th of this year. So that would Ooh. actually be really good timing. Interesting. Uh, I did not know that there was a third one coming out. I'm super excited. Now we know. I hope it's better than Closed in Common Orbit. I, I didn't hate Closed in Common Orbit. I just didn't like it as much as the first one. Okay. Because I didn't care as much about the characters in this one as, as so, the first. So you haven't read any of Christy? Uh, I have not. And this is 423 pages. 400. But it's it's a fairly... it's You'll kind of get sucked into it, I think. Okay. Find the time to read I'll, it. I will give it my best. I'll uh, do more than just read it at the, lunch. The Kindle edition is currently $3 if, if you have a Kindle. I do not. Okay. I, I, I like a book. Yeah, I want a enough. book that I can hold and take to lunch and fair enough. just kind of um, smell. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just snorting up that book smell. Yeah. If... Uh, I can't so, see the price of the audio. What are, what are these? What are these cryptic messages that what, you're writing? They're not cryptic messages. I'm just I'm just pulling together like a, like a calendar. Oh, I uh, see. For when we're going to discuss things. Ah, uh, that's what that is. That's a calendar. Yeah. Okay. It looked like you were writing something in code. No. No. Okay. Cool. So now all this non-audio content that we're. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> all right. So um, so tell us about uh, so tell us about Miss Christie. I mean, so have, I, I know you haven't, but Elise, have you? I read uh, Orient Express. Orient Express at, at some point. Okay, uh, I, I, I've seen that uh, episode of Doctor Who with the wasps. The what now? There's an episode of Doctor Who with Agatha Christie, and there's giant wasps. Is this one of the new ones? Yeah. Okay. Well, ten, but yeah. Okay. <laughs> In any case, I mean, I, with with me just being the only person to have really read it, I don't know what I could go into. I don't necessarily want to spoil it, but it does a really good job of essentially giving you all the information you need mm -hmm. to try and solve it on your own. Where I'm ta I was, remember talking with a friend of mine, a friend of ours, um, who hates Sherlock Holmes books mm. because Sherlock Holmes books regularly just pulls things straight out of his ass. <laughs> exactly, yeah. and like you have to have a very specific knowledge of this particular species of ant or whatever. Ah, the fuck. that kind of soil is only found in eastern Bavaria. Yeah, yeah. Uh, exactly. So, so that kind of thing makes it impossible, or at least extremely unlikely, for any average reader to try to solve the mystery before the author comes to it. This book, it, it is a difficult one to solve. Not impossible, though. And the way it, it explains it at the end, it has, it has the, the full book, and then it has an epilogue where it's these two investigators from Scotland Yard talking about the events. And even they don't come up with a solution. It's kind of the epilogue to the epilogue, which is found in a note from the person that committed the murders explaining how they did it. Mm -hmm. And I won't say who it is, and I won't say how they did it, because it's... Uh, it's a mystery. It's a mystery. But, I mean, this is what Agatha Christie is known for, is but, being, like, the seminal yeah. mystery writer of the 20th, 20th century, and, like, everybody's just trying to catch up to her coattails. Yeah. She also uh, wrote one of the longest-running plays, or might be, actually, the longest-running play in English history, which is um, The Mousetrap. Mm-hmm. And it's like everybody's fucking done a version of the mousetrap. I did not know that. Yeah. I have never done a version of the mousetrap. You should do a version of the mousetrap. I'm going to flip a table. Anyway. <laughs> but the, um, but yeah, no, so. The murder of Gonzaga? But. <laughs> but Shakespeare yeah. joke. That was for nobody. That was, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no, like, I, I had more experience in the past with her um, Perot uh, uh, books. Uh, Hercule yeah. Poirot. And um, and that character, which can get 
a little bit obnoxious, I'm not going to lie. Uh, yeah. But, yeah, he can be a bit full of himself, but that's the character. Uh, but this one, there is no detective I feel like character. it was also, like, Hercule Poirot was, like, her way of poking fun at Sherlock. Maybe. And maybe there's, like, a, like, maybe I'm just stumbling upon something that is, you know, absolutely canon. But, like, that was kind of the, that was always, like, the drift that I got. Maybe. I don't know. It, but. Um, but this one has no detective character. All of the characters are trying to, to solve their own impending murders. Uh-huh. Um, and none of them succeed. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's like you, the reader, are the detective trying to go through it. And I fucking love that shit. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, I don't have much to comment on it, especially with, with two people that haven't read the book. So you know, I, won't, I won't say you should go out and read it, but go out and read it. Um, but anyway, yeah, that's, that's all I really wanted to say about it. I, I would, I, I would like to note that my favorite, uh, visual novel, uh, which I've talked about before on the podcast, Umaneko no Nako Korani, is somewhat based upon the premise of, um, and then there were none, intentionally so, but it takes it and runs it in a very different way. Huh. So. Um, I know I mentioned this before, and th- we'll probably not be able to talk about it a whole lot, but... No, I haven't mentioned it on the podcast. I mentioned it to you, Alex. You mentioned um, it to me. The um, the podcast, um, uh, what is it called? Uh, Magnus Archives. Yeah, you mentioned. I think you mentioned. Yeah, you did mention it on the podcast. Did I mention it? On the, yeah, oh, we talked okay. about it on the podcast. Okay, so, I thought yeah. we talked about it in person, but it, in, just I mean, in case. we did. We're in person recording yeah, 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 this podcast. I know, but I mean, like, not on recording. I thought it was at game night. Um, but it's um, in case in case what we haven't talked about in the podcast, it's a it's a podcast series. It's serialized, um, short horror fiction with a kind of an overarching mystery narrative element to yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, we totally talked about this like two episodes ago. Okay, yeah. I, I I I don't remember that, but it's entirely <laughs> possible. Um, but I'm I'm starting to get to the point where it's it's kind of similar where it's like. There is an end that the creator has in mind, mm-hmm. and he's like, "Yeah, I'm I'm dropping hints as we go through." And he's like, "Not everything is going to be explained because," and he has. There was a really interesting interview that he did between season one and season two about, um, you know, if you do horror and mystery seem to work really well together, but it's actually really hard to do it well because if you explain the mystery too much, then there's no horror. And if you focus too much on the horror, then the mystery cannot be solved. Mm. Um, if you're doing like, because this is like full on cosmic horror kind of right, stuff. Right, right, right. So, I, I and I was hearing about all these like there's subreddits and things like that um, where they are you know trying to solve all this stuff and put this stuff together. I'm like, well, the mystery is interesting and intriguing, and I want to see what happens with it. But it's like I don't really see the point of like fan theories if these people trying to make. Now, now I'm there though. I'm like okay. almost caught up on season three, and I'm like, oh, I bet this is what's going on. Yeah. And so I, I want you to try to catch up to it so we can start trading fan theories because I feel like you'll start getting the same way. Okay. Probably way sooner than me. Sure thing. Um, but we'll we'll do long way to a small angry planet first. Okay. And then and then I'm gonna recommend that you check that out because I think that you'll you will like Magnus Archives a lot. Um, I, I, I'm, I know I will. I was actually meaning to start listening to it last week, but mm-hmm. I, I forgot. Yeah. So I'm going to, to start listening it's, to that on my commute. It's very like, 
a lot of 19th century kind of gothic horror, mm-hmm. uh, a lot of like HP Lovecraft kind of cosmic horror, uh, some Junji Ito thrown in there for good measure. Like there's an <laughs> awful lot of like malignant concepts and shapes. Uh, uh, okay. Uh, fractals, especially. <laughs> um, uh, Sounds like a fun listen. Yeah. And I'll go ahead and do just that. Yep. So, now that we've explained to you what we're going to do and how we're not going to follow our schedule that we've just carefully planned out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, just totally kidding. We're going, we're going. Rip it up, throw it away. <laughs> no, no. We're going to do this. We're going to do this. Um, well, now you're going to go pick up the <laughs> <laughs> On the ground pretty brilliantly. Do it on the ground. <laughs> All right. So, um... Do we have anything else we want to talk about tonight um, before we before we wrap this up? Uh not really. I didn't really like we didn't really check out anything other than no. the new uh, the, the new old season of Arrested Development are we, to prepare to prepare for the new new season. Are we going to watch the new Star Wars movie on Sunday, Saturday? Oh god, I forgot that was even coming out. Yeah. I'm gonna be honest, I have very little interest in going to go see solo. Okay. Um, I would rather go see Deadpool. Yeah, if I'm completely honest. I Same. still haven't seen that. I know it just came out, but I yeah, I because mean, you know, and this is kind of a problem, and I feel like it's tangentially related to what we were talking about earlier. But there's only so much you can do with the solo story. There's only so much you can do with the Star Wars universe. Period. Previous to a New Hope. Yeah. I mean, unless you want to go way far back. If you want to give me an Old Republic KOTOR, movie, yeah. yeah, if you want to give me a KOTOR movie, I'm there opening night. <laughs> um, but I I don't, like, I, and I think we said this in our yeah. in our Infinity War episode, but I'm going to say it again. Um, the, in that, when we went to go see Infinity War, there was a trailer for Solo, and at the end of the trailer, you know how there, there's like a train heist, basically? Mm-hmm. At the end of the trailer, it was Han Solo and Chewbacca, like, holding on on the outside of the train and oh no there's a rock rushing up to them and it cuts to black and it says solo a star wars story and i turn to elise and i say oh no i hope chewbacca lives <laughs> this yeah. is my problem with a lot of these movies and this was my problem with with rogue one or one of my problems with rogue one was that it's like i know i know how this is i gonna know end. how this is gonna end you know and it's not even like it's not even like titanic where you know the ship is gonna sink but at least there's like a mystery of like will Jack and Rose get together? Um, I'd say Rogue One was more interesting than, than right. Uh, but I'm saying Titanic. I'm saying like there's like a level of anim- anonymity to Jack and Rose. Yeah, right. Um, but you don't know who they are. Specifically. You don't know who they are specifically, so you do not know how their particular story is going to going to end up. With Rogue One, it's like you know these are the people who got the the plans to the Death Star. Princess Leia has a line that says they gave their lives for this information. No, they don't. No. I thought thought she does. Okay. No, people keep keep getting that mixed up. In in Return of the Jedi. Many uh, Boffins died. Many Boffins died to bring us this information. That's not Leia. That's Mon Mothma, who's like the only other female character in Star Wars, at least in the original trilogy. Um, My bad. Yeah. but, but you know how their story is going to end. It's the same thing with Solo. You know... You know he's going to make it he's through. He's going to make it through just to get stabbed in the heart by his really shitty son many decades later. Yeah. Like, oh, spoiler alert. By the... By, 
It's fine. But what? But I mean, that's but like what happened between him and Lando? Yeah. Why? But we know, like, and that's the thing. We know. We know. And, yeah. and that this was the big problem with the with the prequel movies. It's like the story that exists in your head. But were they lovers though? Probably. <laughs> I mean, uh, that that is the one interesting okay. thing. Did you see that? Yeah, no. Lando is pansexual. Yeah. That is now canon. <laughs> that has canon. been confirmed by the creators of the movie. Oh, yeah. okay. So, um, yeah. <laughs> and and uh, Donald Glover, did you see Donald Glover's response to that? No. Don- Donald Glover had the best response to that, who played who played Lando in the movie, which is, like, the only reason that I would want to see Yeah, like, the, yeah. the one thing that's, like, making us, like, maybe is the fact that Donald Glover playing Lando is, yeah. pretty, is pretty perfect casting. Apparently his mom told him like, don't fuck it up. But but basically his response to that was how could you not be pansexual in space? Yeah. <laughs> Which I feel like is a really great segue into yeah. us talking about a long way to small angry planet. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> like, right. You just, you know, you, like you'd have to, you'd have to try it out, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Find some, like, blob somewhere and just whatever. Find out. <laughs> figure it out, you know? <laughs> um, um, but, yeah. No, I, I, I don't know. I, I probably will go see it. I'm not I'm not as interested in going to go see it as I was in Last Jedi and as I was in Rogue One. I feel like... you at least know... Like, you, there, there's an aura of mystery as to where, where are they going with um, Last Jedi yeah, and Force Awakens. I really want to know where that story yeah. goes. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I care about those characters. I'm invested in that storyline. I think it's really interesting. In a way that I'm like, I just don't give a fuck I, I about rem- Solo. I remember existing in the pre-prequels world. Where, like... We had to read books to We had to read it. books to find out about this stuff. But there was also, like, like little... I, it, this was also, like, really before the internet existed as, like, this omnipresent force in our lives. And so we'd have, like, these little schoolyard rumors about, like... Oh well, Obi Wan and, and Darth Vader were best friends, and then they fought in a lava planet, and that's why Darth Vader got all messed up and burned. Like that stuff was canon before the prequels, and like the little lines about the Clone Wars, and it's like, oh, this shit sounds really interesting, and so you create your own little mini movies in your head where those things are happening. And I gotta tell you, as much as the, the are fight, you saying your head cannon is better than the prequel? As much as that fight on Mustafar was probably the best part of the prequel trilogy, the version of it that existed in my head when I heard Obi Wan Kenobi, Darth Vader, Lava Planet, <laughs> in whenever that was, whenever before those movies came out, it must have been like I, I must have been in elementary or middle school. It must have been like it must have been like 1998 was the first time I heard that. So like right before those movies started coming out, 97 or 98. Um, I was like, oh man, that sounds so cool. I, I like, <laughs> and so it was even before I knew that that was going to be a movie. Like, mm-hmm. It was before they were even talking about the prequels being a thing that's going to exist. I was thinking about that. And then I saw it many, you know, about five years later, I guess I was sitting in a theater watching Revenge of the Sith and being like, oh, it's the lava planet. That's neat. Like, it's not yeah. as good as it is in my head. Um, same thing, I mean, and that's not even as bad as, like, Boba Fett getting screwed over, because I remember the stories being told about Boba Fett's background when I was in elementary school was that, um, like, well, clearly, Darth Vader and Boba Fett have a past because of that line in, Return, uh, in uh, Empire Strikes Back, where he says, no disintegrations. It's like, he knows how this guy operates. And the, the story, the, the, the story was that before the movies start, Boba Fett was a bounty hunter that Darth Vader hired 
to track down and kill Jedi. Which is about a million times cooler of a backstory than he's a dweeby little kid uh-huh. who's cloned by so who's cloned by some weird lonely New Zealand guy. Um, yeah. But we can't forget his first appearance in the holiday special. Oh yeah, that's yeah. true. <laughs> it's the most iconic appearance of Boba Fett. <laughs> um, it's the one where he does the most. It's the, it's the, <laughs> you're not wrong. <laughs> You are not wrong. That is literally the appearance where he does the most of any of the films. Mm -hmm. Oh my god, that's sad. All right. um, Now that we've made ourselves sad. On that note, yes. Do you have a webcomic of the week for us? I do have a webcomic of the week, although I'm starting to run a bit dry on them, so I hope this is one I haven't mentioned already. Is it Darth's and Droids again? No, it's not. (laughs) That'd be thematically appropriate. It would be, but it's not. Uh, this one is Rusty and Co. Have I mentioned that one before? I don't, I don't think, so. think so. Yeah. All right. So Rusty and Co. is a webcomic uh, set in a kind of a standard Dungeons and Dragons world. Is this a rust monster? It is. Yes. It's the main characters are a rust monster, oh, a mimic, and a gelatinous cube. I do know this one. I think you've shown it to me, but I don't think we've talked about. Yeah, the I think I'd mentioned it to the the D and D group, but yeah. I uh, and I actually one of our friends that plays D and D has a little plushy of the rust monster yes. it's got little magnets on its feelers it's great <laughs> um but but yeah so so these three characters uh have formed a party and they have character classes and it's just kind of like let's play D. we are in this world we're as you know we can be a, we can be heroes too despite the fact that they're typecast as monsters um and it's it's really funny, and it has got moments where it's very sweet, but unfortunately, it's gotten to it has a bit of a problem, and that is that it has gotten to a point where it is dragging out stories. Yeah. Like it used to be where each kind of chapter was self-contained, and it was you know maybe twenty pages per chapter or whatever, and you'd have the adventure, and then ding, they'd level up, and and they would show kind of oh now we can do this now. But they've been playing baseball for like a year and a half, <laughs> and I'm not sure where the author's going with this. Like literally playing baseball. Like literally, that's that's the the current adventure is where like the the cast has, like the cast has needs to play compete in the tournament, and the tournament is a variation of baseball. All right, then. and they I think they're going to go through the entire tournament. Oh, I don't. Jesus. Yeah. So so. It is starting to drag, but the early stuff, at the very least, is really good. And I get maybe if you weren't reading it like as it comes out, like maybe if you're like binging through it, it'll go faster. But I think it is. Um, let me look at the archives here. Yeah, like like le- like the level one, chapter one, forty pages. Chapter three, twenty-one pages. Chapter seven, ninety-seven pages. <laughs> Jesus. Chapter eight. 114 and counting pages. Okay, so it's got a little bit of a bloat problem. It's got a little bit of a bloat problem. So it does... The early stuff is really good, though, and I do recommend checking it out uh, for just hijinks set in a D&D world. There's no, like, players. Like, there's no kind of, like, Dungeons and Dragons... Like, um, Darth and, Darth and Droids, where it's, like, the players are sitting around a table. This is just, like... This, this is, is the their world. This is their this world is their they world. live in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, but These it's, are the things they're given. Yeah. So that's that's what I've got for the webcomic of this week. Cool. Is, right. uh, Thanks, Rusty Alex. and Co. Uh, anything coming up, coming out that anyone's excited for, looking forward to? 
I think we just talked about that. Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah, all the things we're going to talk about. I just meant, like, generally, things that things that people are looking forward to. New season of The Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt is coming out yeah. on May 29th. And, like, so we're getting Arrested Development and Kimmy Schmidt, and we're just going to... On the same day. We're yeah. never leaving no, the no, apartment. No, no, it's one day apart. Yeah. So we'll just watch all of Arrested Development Season 5 on May 29th, and then we'll watch Kimmy Schmidt the next day. Yes. Um, Excellent. Yeah, that's the plan. Um, uh, My Hero Academia, uh, the movie is coming out August 3rd. There's a movie now? Yeah. yeah. It's oh, coming wow. out August 3rd. I'm still catching up with that. I'm still. Where, where are you at in it? Right yeah, now? until August third, man. Um, I'm at the part where the the uh, tournament is over and okay. the okay. Uh, internships are. Oh, yes. shit's the internships are great. So I I haven't I, like they he just met and so I, I okay. haven't gotten anything other than that. Yeah. Uh, the the internship his the the um Gran Torino is not the dark part of that, but yeah, there there does get to be some dark shit in that storyline. Yeah. There's also some great shit. Um, uh, Froppy basically gets an entire episode almost too entirely to herself. Oh, good. Which is just adorable, and I just, I want a spinoff show with the hero that she, uh, interns with. Okay. He's fucking great. Um, and I, I, I have not yet watched Megaloblox. I have been keeping up with, um, with, with, with the other ones. Legend so. of the Galactic Heroes? Yeah. God, the second half of that battle. <laughs> Holy shit. I was talking to Elise about that when she came home the other day because I watched it when she was out. Oh my fucking god, that is like the best plan. Yeah, and it works so well. Yeah. Oh my god. And you know what? I'd be willing to bet. I'd be willing to bet there was some British Marine that did it during the Napoleonic era. You know to what? To take to take a fortress. Or yeah, something. yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it was like it, like they had like some like French defectors. Yep. God, that, that guy, Cap, Some, yeah. uh, what's his name? Captain, uh, Captain Sh- Shohan or something like that? Something like that. That guy is the fucking best character yeah. in the show so far. <laughs> um, I'm also excited to see what happens with that Oberstein guy, because he is, he's really interesting. The guy with the eyes? Yeah, the guy with the eyes. Yeah, he shows up again in the one that comes after. They go back to the Empire side of things. Yeah, that's right. good, because it's been a while since we've really seen anything from their side. Mm-hmm. Um... Megalobox continues to be fucking incredible. I'm really looking forward to the next episode because the, the the last two was a two-parter. Um, and basically, like, every couple of episodes, it shifts. Like, you think like, the, the series starts, they're like, oh, it's going to be this anime and it's going to have these tropes. And then it gets to episode, like, three or so. And there's one part where it's like, oh, he- here's this trope. We're not doing it. <laughs> we're acknowledging that you think that this is where you think this is going. And we're going to do something else. But it's like, here's this, like, it's not much of a spoiler, but like, basically they get this item and it's like, oh, this is the item that they're going to use. Yeah. You to talked about this happen. before. Yeah. 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 And then they do not. So, um, uh, and then it was like, and then it just like, they fucking just break it right away. And it's like, well, that's not happening. And then they do, um, a couple of episodes as like, oh, it's this really intense, like character drama mm-hmm. that happens to be kind of centered around boxing. And I've heard that the next episode ends, uh, cause I haven't seen the latest one yet. Cause I think it's still, uh, on only on the, the pay platform. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I have to wait a couple more days, but, uh, it's it's from what i understand it ends on a cliffhanger and it's basically like no you the thing that you thought was happening is not happening now 
Mm-hmm. So I'm. That's all I know. Alright. And so, so I'm really I, excited to see where it's So going. I guess this is just now another segment of our show. It's anime updates. It's anime updates. Yeah. Anime updates. I, I'm watching a lot of anime. Alright. All right. So I think we've already had the webcomic of the week. We've had our thing that we say after the webcomic of the week that we're not supposed to say, but we do anyway. So my name's Alex. I'm Nick. And I'm Elise. And this has been Some Nerds Have a Podcast. Thank you all for listening. And good night. <laughs>